Criterion creeps are coming with Jared and RJ from Renoir to Kurosawa and everything along the way. Highbrow, lowbrow, they won't stop until the This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're really getting to know the magical land of Scotland in the 1970s as we watch Spine 162 in the Criterion Collection, Lynn Ramsey's Ratcatcher from 1999. But first, RJ, Mm. we're, we're living in a new era why? We're living in the Criterion Channel era. Oh. <laughs> Is that on Criterion Channel? <laughs> Michael Jackson and Kids? Yeah, that breakthrough documentary that just hit? Uh, no, not yet. Okay, so what is on the Criterion Channel? Well, RJ, uh, <laughs> allegedly there's over a thousand films at launch. So these thousand films, Jarrett, yeah. how many of those are actually spined? Well... Not one of those is the movie we're talking about this week. <laughs> oh, which movie is that? Ratcatcher. Oh, did you already do that part of the thing? What? <laughs> I searched. I, I was just curious if Ratcatcher was actually on the Criterion channel. And it's, no. And, and it's not. I meant on the podcast where you're like, in this episode, we're talking about Lynn Ramsey's Ratcatcher. Did you already do that? Um, <laughs> I sure hope so. Okay. I didn't hear it, but I also don't listen. Oh, so th- that accurate. accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, uh, are are uh, I'm assuming at least like what thirty forty percent of those are have to be like Eclipse series movies. Mm, well, uh, I mean, that, I mean, it would probably be in there. There probably some some of those uh, are in the mix. But those are what bulking out that thousand because uh, well, they I got did some, some searching. They got they got some movie studio things in there too. They got some Warner Brothers uh, Columbia stuff in there. Really? Some night some noirs RJ. So you, you know what, I'm just going to get into it, whatever. You know what I would love for this thing to have? Hmm. So I went through it on my Amazon Fire Stick and it looked great. And uh, they had a watch list option and the watch list actually showed up. Unlike Crave, which I thought was amazing. Uh, The only thing, the one thing that stuck out to me immediately, I was like, man, I wish they put the spine numbers on the movies like title cards. Because... Since there's all these movies that aren't included in the collection, I would like to know if they are or not. So ha- just put in that spine number up there. It'd be a really easy way for me to tell if they are. Well, RJ, we live in a non-lineal era as well. Now that we're in the Criterion oh. Channel era. We're in the uh, Chris Nolan era of yeah. streaming. So uh, th- things like where they're going, we don't have spines. Um, mm. Not really. We, we just not really. We've just abandoned that. Mm. Mm. This, this podcast is dead. We're a relic. No, honestly. Okay. I was thinking about this. Now that you have like a huge chunk of the collection, allegedly again, mm-hmm. uh, available to you, it's like, why would you ever buy anything ever again? It's kind of a weird thing. Point. I'm really curious, like what's going to happen over the next like year or so. Um, I don't know. 
I, I kind of was like wondering, maybe Spine 1000 will be the end. It could and, and, be. And it could be because like, okay, for what is this thing costing us? Like 120 bucks a month, 100 for a year? A month? I was going to say, which one did you sign up for? <laughs> the Maniac? Uh, the premium edition of the channel. Oh, no, the... no. But like, so it's like, essentially, I figured it's six movies a year you're buying. We buy them 50% off Barnes and Noble style. Well, so I guess you got to think too. So their customers that are probably buying like 20 movies a year, they're going to take a hit on them. But then there's people like me who buy zero movies a year. Well, you but have, you, I will subscribe yeah. to the, uh, the you thing. Have, yeah, because you have little money. And the I have little, little money, money you have now goes to streaming. Yes, this is true. Mm-hmm. All accurate. So I don't know. Maybe it evens out. I guess they'll find out within the first like well, year. It's, it's definitely not going to grow. The, I mean, Filmstruck was one thing. But uh, mm-hmm. now that they have their own thing, that they're going to be probably pushing pretty hard. Um, yeah, I don't I, know how I, hard they're pushing it. They're not really uh, using other fans or audience members or target people who are actually using the platform and are talking about it on social media. Well, they're not exactly. Well, RJ, I don't know if you, uh, and, uh, you mentioning those people. Did, did you uh, check out that link I sent you about why that might be? No, uh, I couldn't open the link because where I where I was at work. There was a filter on my thing, and I couldn't actually. It was deemed like inappropriate or something. I couldn't go to the site. Yeah. Well, all it explain does, it for me. Well, RJ, uh, to recap it, it, we posted on, or I posted on the Facebook Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a. Someone had asked Criterion, "Hey, what are your top picks that people should be checking out on the channel?" And mm-hmm. like half of those movies, RJ, we've. Uh, been unkind to or been mediocre on oh and within the first five i'm seeing la ventura yeah la dolce vita (laughs) dolce vita okay wait i hit a gap i have to click to can see more how many clicks do you have to go through for this thing i I had none so well what the fuck okay never mind now i'm on a different thing called dvd netflix service wow what the fuck well, RJ's, Never mind, well, I'm well, done with this. Well, it, RJ's figuring out the internet. Yeah, so anyway, maybe uh-huh. maybe we poo-poo uh, the collection. They're like, nah, hey, boys. They can't handle us because we keep it real. That's their problem. Well, it's also but our problem. Want to know. We're not getting those sweet comps. Well, I mean, I don't get anything for this anyways. Hey, you get a movie ticket here or there. Um, mm. So my experience mm. thus far with the Criterion Channel, uh, I have not watched anything mm-hmm. uh, uh friend of the show oliver he messaged me asking me uh if i was able to get tokyo olympiad on the mm-hmm. channel because he was wondering if it was region locked and Good i question. looked it up and sure enough there's like the the body of the like that giant uh olympic set they put out is there but it's like unplayable mm-hmm. so i'm not sure if this is like put it on your watch list and wait and see but then there's other things that are completely unavailable. So I just wonder if it's like, yeah, there's going to be some stuff that's going to be like U.S. only and then Canada, get lost. Because uh, it mm. seems like if it's not on there, it doesn't even come up whatsoever, which is kind of yeah. weird. I wish it would just list it and just say unavailable right now. Well, yeah, um, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they could do that for sure. But yeah, uh, and the one thing he mentioned that I was like, oh, that's an interesting point. There's like uh, no option currently to turn on or off subtitles. 
they're, there's they're, no subtitles. Well, they're there's they're hard coded in. So I because I popped oh. open uh, eight and a half. Okay, and so that's got English subtitles, but you can't turn yeah. them on or off. Like you just have to watch them that way. Well, that's annoying. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess they're they're servicing like a primarily English market, but there's mm-hmm. people. I mean, in America, it's like people speak Spanish, uh, in Canada, people speak French, and right now they are servicing one master. I mean, obviously. There's time for them to work this stuff out. This Mm -hmm. is uh, week one, um, and this stuff is probably going to come up. Uh, Apparently, Filmstruck had the same thing. It it, it Uh, also was limited subtitling, so I don't know how difficult it is to do that. mm -hmm. Maybe that costs a lot more money and moolah and uh, some savvy programmers to figure that out. I don't know. Uh, And also, I found that the – I was, like, watching – trying this out at work – on my desktop mm-hmm. and yeah, there's definitely some like kind of buffery sort of uh, things. Like it's not like we're with Netflix. It's pretty well instantaneous mm. that the picture's clear. It's more like canopy where it's like very yeah. uh, pixelated and uh, also mm. uh, skimming through, just scanning ahead to get to another spot. Boy, it is so like, slow <laughs> so you were you were trying to like check out that bill Hader interview and you're just like man i really love bill Hader. why is it so like uh, just give me the bill Hader. is that where you were having issues yeah yeah that's yeah. that's it that's so i haven't watched i i didn't even try watching something but i i, I added like i looked up our next 10 movies and saw, checked if they were on here and i got like eight out of them and put them on the watch list so that's yeah. pretty good yeah that's good that's hey i mean and it's like I said, I got it on that fire stick, which is just nice for me because I can actually watch this shit on a TV without having it like hooked up to a computer, hooked up to the TV and like nine other ways from Tuesday. Yeah. That's well, an expression, right? Yeah, I think so. Oh, nine other ways from Tuesday. Sure. It is now. What what other things did you notice about the Criterion channel? Um, there's like the, it's interesting because when you look up a movie, you're actually looking at the collection because under the collection banner, you get all the special features, the supplementaries. Oh, I noticed that. Which is cool. That's nice because uh, for the, for when we don't have the discs, it, it's actually an option. The one thing I did not check though is wondering if there's an uh, ability to like watch it with commentary tracks yet. Mm-hmm. On like how many films have that so far. And if it's just like a thing of a click of a button, be like choosing the audio feed which would be handy and I'm sure will again come if it's not there already. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. I, like I said, I haven't really uh, had time to like get into it since Monday when it went live. You must not care about this podcast, eh? I have a life. <laughs> <laughs> I've, that's questionable. Yeah. But anyway, mm. so exciting times and uh, yeah, starting next week, people could follow along quite easily because I'm sure most are going to be charter members or whatever the hell i could see this either being a good bump uh for us or it could be the exact opposite and we get shut down for malpractice yes mm. mm-hmm. you know you know all about malpractice i yeah i know about being a c lawyer and being uh, a c's get degrees yeah being a doctor well doctorate in, anyways in what i was gonna say <laughs> shut up jared uh when i was flipping around with it i was like this looks okay it's pretty smooth uh the interface for the most part there were a few things like like i said minor stuff i wish there were spine numbers i wish there was just a a to z that you could look through what was on there or like better browsing like well, cat- categories or it's all metadata genres or yeah. something 
I think which will, it, I'm sure will come eventually. Yeah, yeah but. Well, or be able to like search by director and like yeah, all, that would all, be nice. all, yeah, like that's a that's kind of like that should be one day one kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm sure they're just wondering, hey, can our servers handle the downloads? And like, it's going to be probably uh, quite the feat uh, this weekend. Like Friday, Saturday mm-hmm. are going to be probably the days where people have like figured out their watch list and then they start trying to watch this stuff and everyone's going to be doing it at once. And they're going to actually get a real test of what that looks like when they're mm-hmm. hosting thousands of films and people are streaming tons of different options. Why can't they just steal it from Netflix? Because Netflix sucks. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It looks pretty good so far. Nice. We'll see next week. We'll see. That'll be the real test. That's right. But hey, RJ. What? We got emails. How many emails? We got this many. I don't see. I'm blind. That's right. Mm-hmm. Y'all take my Speak word for me. it. We got Ryan Nagel. Oh, dear. Checking Friend of the in. show. Yeah. What's up, creeps? It's been a hot minute since I've written in and thought I'd stop by. While I'm not the most engaged creepazoid on the email front, I have that mm, dial like that. set and I'm listening in every week. I got brought up last week, but I'm glad Jared enjoyed Carts of Darkness. While I get more than enough utility out of using Letterboxd to catalog all the movies I'm watching, every mm-hmm. once in a while, it's nice to see that your reviews aren't just being sent into the void, but from time to time, followers might check something out from their activity feed and see something rad. I didn't much. I'd say much in my review as I didn't want to just echo what my other friend had already said, but I appreciated the subtlety of it. I dig it when a documentary just shows its subject and lets you take it in uh, and get what you will out of it. Some mm-hmm. solid Canadian content. That National Film Board of Canada YouTube channel has a lot of content. I wonder if there are some other gems on there. <laughs> anyway, look forward to seeing what you guys think of the Criterion channel as I think it goes live uh-huh. this week. This will be read. Yes. Correct, yes. Ryan. And keep re- keep creeping mm. yeah correct indeed and uh i what what a well composed email jared i'm not just saying that because he's a friend of the show but uh what was i gonna say other than that you know what i agree with him though sometimes you do write reviews and you're just like this is just nothing no one will ever see this no one will ever acknowledge it and i've wasted my time so it is nice to see sometimes when someone's like hey good review there bud mm-hmm or not even mentioning that, just knowing that someone reads it. Because I read a lot of reviews and don't like like them or anything. Yeah. Usually because I think they suck. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I just, I don't, it's like I said to you once before where sometimes you, if you follow more than like four people on Letterboxd, you get just tidal waved, blasted out of there with like recent activity. So it's pretty hard to keep up with stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, yeah. what, that's, what, that's your claim, but you know. Oh, oh. Ugh. Did you see every movie I watched logged, or did you have to go to my page to check them out? Um, well, if I don't see it, I just go look it up. It's well, there the, you it's go. It's not that hard. Not that Maybe, hard. Well, well <laughs> shut up. Next up, thanks, Ryan. Uh, uh-huh. We got Oliver Granger Ooh. with the subject line of Reddit movies. Oh, no. Uh, or something like that. Hi there, guys. I'm sure you know uh, Reddit movies is horrible. I just found this poll they did, I think, last year. It is the worst thing ever. <laughs> so he attaches this infographic that I guess mm-hmm. compiles uh, survey results from the, I don't know, however Reddit would have done this, polling. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Okay. So I'm gonna, I, I got some notes here. It's, it's, it's Yeah. 
Uh, obviously, the polling people, the body, heavily mm-hmm. USA. Okay. 95% men, 5% women. Ooh, great. <laughs> yeah. So that, I mean. Great representation. Yeah. I mean, my takeaway, my, my number one takeaway is this is where IMDb's top 250 films list goes to die. Yeah. So, favorite movies before 1990. Uh, okay. With 32% of the vote, Empire Strikes Back. Oh, okay, followed, I'm fo- done. followed by the likes of The Godfather, Back sure. to the Future, Aliens, uh, Twelve, yeah. 12 Angry Men, being oh yeah, the, being the old the grandpa movie here, mm-hmm. uh, two thousand one, which is like a younger grandpa, sure. Blade Runner, oh, of course, Apocalypse Now, oh yeah, of course, yeah, of the nineties, Pulp Fiction with thirty two percent, yeah, Jurassic Park, okay, Goodfellas, okay, not Casino though, keep well, going, Fight Club. Of course. The Matrix. And uh, the Big Lubowski. Okay. Okay. Of the 2000s, what do you think number one is, RJ? Of the 2000s? Yeah. Probably Deadpool 2, Corpse's favorite uh, movie. See? It's too new. Too new. You're missing oh. the wrong 2000s. Shit. The, oh, that. the aughts or whatever. Oh, uh, those 2000s. No. I don't know, man. Ghost ship? Dark Knight. Oh, course okay yeah that makes sense followed by there will be blood okay return of the king uh but that's the weakest of the three no country for old men yeah fellowship of the ring oh yeah that one's good and inglorious bastards which i found really i was actually surprised uh well however they were one of his most celebrated notable yeah yeah well i guess it's the one that it's better than kill bill (laughs) two one and two those movies okay. aren't very good, honestly. But and no one likes Death Proof, even though that movie's awesome. And of the twenty tens, so far, um, number one, RJ, like whatever it was twenty four. No, twenty four. No, 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 no. You, oh. you, you, Whiplash. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. Mad Max: Fury Road. Okay. Interstellar. Okay. La La Land. Okay. Inception. Yeah. Drive. All right. The Social Network. Oh, of course. And rounding it out, Arrival. Oh, sure. Yeah, I know you love Arrival. Uh, um, so, the, <clears throat> the, the top 10 all-time, Pulp Fiction, Star yep. Wars, Dark Knight, Empire Strikes Back, Fellowship mm-hmm. of the Ring, Shawshank Redemption, Godfather, Goodfellas, Jurassic Park, Back to the Future. Wait, so we're, we're uh, it was Empire Strike Back. And Star Wars both on there? Correct. That's not great. No, it tells you it tells you what you need to know. <laughs> See, it doesn't actually tell you like the ethnicity of that ninety five percent of men who were doing mm. this. Men in quotes, male. Oh, are you talking about incels? <laughs> no, not necessarily. Okay, top ten underrated movies, RJ. Oh, is Fight Club on this one too? No, 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 no. Number one. Okay. Number one. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. No. No, I disagree. Uh, I watched that movie when it came out, and I liked it. I watched it some years later, and I was like, huh. I was like, what did I like in this when that, I watched it, it that it first is, time? It is definitely a Shane Black movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, how could you tell? The Christmas? <laughs> Number two, mm-hmm. Speed Racer. <laughs> 
Why? Why do people? Uh, people want that movie people, to be. They want it to be so good. They want it to be so good. RJ. Everybody it, talks about that movie, and she's like, "It's crap. It looks. It looks interesting, but boy, is it tough. It's a tough watch." But well, RJ, I've never seen it, but maybe now I RJ, will have to. But wait, RJ. Number, th- number number three. Batman versus Superman. Dawn of Woo! Justice. So they got one right. Number four, RJ. Yeah. Swiss Army Man. Oh, baby, this list is killing it now. <laughs> Next. Yeah. Watchmen. Oh my god. Get rid of one and two, and this is almost the perfect list. This could have been your top ten. Hot rod. Yeah, I'm still on board. Moon. Ah, yeah. uh, little overzealous, but okay. Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, I'm on board with that too. Children of Men. Oh baby, this is the, the best list I ever heard. <laughs> Enemy. Ah, uh, I could take that or leave it. It's pretty good, but is that it? Uh, and then there's a bunch of stuff about like best directors and actors that just correlates exactly to the movies we just talked about. It's okay, like I, I'm yeah. super on board with that list. Get garbage the first two picks, and then the rest of it, they're, it's gold. They're, they're the highest rated underrated movies, but they're not though. You know, like not in real life. And so my fa- my final note there, RJ, when I was covering this, is uh-huh. so this list was actually made by RJ, I think. Except for the first two. Well, maybe I did that intentionally to <laughs> so I wouldn't out myself. <laughs> You know, oh, let's throw in Speed Racer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love Speed Racer. Yeah, people go to bat for that one. Um. Anyways. Yeah. What, what do you think, RJ? What do you think of this? Uh, is, I think this is a pretty accurate snapshot of uh, kind of like that that movie fandom outside of Letterboxd. Even though Letterboxd, like, probably has similar stuff, people mm-hmm. talk about other things. Uh, but, but you also get, the, you get those overwhelming, like... Um, times where like the obvious movies come out on top like the baby drivers which maybe this list was made before baby driver existed i don't know hey you know what movie really sucks baby driver it's one of the worst movies i've ever seen Mm, it's not that bad but hey you're one of the worst movies i've ever seen i'm not that bad you could be though yep right so yeah there you go i don't know doesn't tell me anything (laughs) it's like yup that that sums her up that's sure uh, a thing that uh, is on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Oliver. Hopefully... Oh, yeah, that was him. <laughs> okay. Well, hope, hope to hear from you soon. Yeah, we'll see. Next up, Sam Sanchez. Oh, shit. He's uh, on a tear. Or no, wait. No one emailed in last week, right? Frank did. Yeah, but Sam was maybe a week or two before. doesn't matter. Tell uh, me what Sam has well, to say. It begins with, hello again, fellas. Haven't wrote go. in a couple weeks. Oh, so just writing just in now. Me. Exactly, RJ. You should just stop talking and just have that drink. Haven't wrote in a couple weeks. So just writing in now with a question about how you guys tend to decide what to watch as non-criterion goes. Ooh. I know both of you guys love to use tags on Letterbox, something I regret never really implementing, and some tags look like they might belong to a greater list of stuff to watch, as I know you guys have alluded to personal horror watch lists. Wondering if you guys ever just set out to tackle certain genres or directors, or whatever, and how you might go about it. I know Jared does film noir in January. I tend to do noir November, and mm. also did the Best Picture winners last year. But do you ever nerd out just uh, just start tackling a pre-made list? Uh, 
Um, this year, I decided to basically do that to tackle some blind spots. Last mm-hmm. month, I just started watching a ton of uh, Gialli and Italian horror that I've been meaning to watch, rewatch. And this month, if not obvious to my letterbox viewing, have been going mm-hmm. hard at Hong Kong movies. The only trouble I foresee with this is potentially burning myself out on a genre or just everything starting to blur together, watching so much of these in close proximity, mm-hmm. since my memory just sucks in general. So far, though, having a blast with the Hong Kong stuff and plan to just keeping, uh, just keeping through this list. Thanks again, guys. Keep on dumping. Thank you, Sam. Uh, I like that outro. Yes, yes, I do do these things of making pre-made lists that I keep yeah. private with these Nerd. plans, with these grand designs of watching all these types of films, and then Nerd. things go wrong. I, I lose interest. Uh, yeah, I, I do this all the time. But uh, lately, this this year, I've just not been watching as many movies as I have in the past. Uh, one of the fun things you could do, folks, is go to my Letterbox profile for all time and compare my year to year, where you can see the year where I watched like over a thousand movies or whatever the hell it was. The hell year. Yeah, that was a hell of a year. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, I've uh, I, that's how I that's how I roll usually. Um, mm-hmm. I go through themes and I'll work through them. Um, one of the the great times of my life was going through the Charles Bronson filmography and watching like whatever twenty five odd Charles Bronson movies yep. over the course of half a year. Admirable, admirable. Uh, going through Jess Franco's filmography and getting through like thirty eight or thirty nine of those in like two months. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it's like when you rewatch a director that you like, you might as well start at the beginning and go all the way through. Get sure. A, yeah, get you learn something that way. I think you have a better way of conversing about these these topics when they get brought up on, say, a podcast with friends. Mm. If one has time for friends, because you're not just watching movies all the time. You usually don't. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, when you're breaking down those like the the broader genre of like westerns or horror and stuff like that, you try to like I don't know, I pick up on a an actor or a writer, uh, director, and just like work my way through their stuff, just because as much as you can. Because some guys direct way too many movies, and they sometimes they count on Letterbox like all oh, their TV episodes they directed or short music videos, and you're like, well, mm-hmm. I reserve that for like the guys I'm really into. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I think like probably anybody listening to this podcast probably does similarly, maybe not recently, but uh, when they have time, that's, mm-hmm. I don't know, that's the fun thing to do. And yes, I have noticed, Sam, you've been watching some of those uh, Hong Kong movies and those are indeed a lot of fun and very enjoyable. Uh, one that I would throw out <laughs> as a recommendation, uh, I think it's Eight Point Diagram Fighter. That is uh, a wonderful Shaw Brothers movie. Hey, RJ. What do you mm. have to say to Sam? Mm-hmm. Well, you kind of covered it all, you huge nerd. Uh, no, I definitely like. I'll go in spurts where I do try to theme stuff together, but it's very uh, non-formal. So I'll I'll go around and like this week we were watching Ratcatcher, so I was like, oh, I'll watch. You were never really here. That kind of fits. And then Andrew's like, oh, do you want to watch Billy Elliot? And I was like. Yeah, I guess. I was like, that kind of fits too. Sure, why not? And then we went to Pet Cemetery, so I was like, hey, maybe I'll watch the other Pet Cemetery. So it's not like planned out, but in a given week, I may be like, ooh, I'm really into this this week, so I'll watch it. Yeah. I just don't have any lists set because lists are kind of meaningless for me, as has as has been pointed out before, because I have just a monster watch list, and I don't even look at it anymore, but things that once in a while I'll go to so I I I roughly 
try to theme stuff out, but I do feel uh, the fatigue thing that he was talking about. It's like that one, uh, that two weeks when we took a week off and I just watched like 30 Dragon Ball Z movies. (laughs) I did that intentionally because I was like, well, I won't talk about them on the show. And then at the end of it too, I was like, yeah, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty much done with this. So I don't know. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? That's, I think, the best way to watch stuff, though, is just, just go heavy, over OD, be taken to the hospital, get your stomach pumped, learn a lesson from it, and then do it all over again. I think that could, you're, you're saying stuff that uh, people might do, and then we could get in trouble, Jarrett. Mm, I disagree. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Sam. Mm-hmm. And finally, Mr. Frank Solano. Oh, yeah. Email header. Season finale. Hmm. And he begins. Damn it! We killed Dusty. Moment of silence. We'll get the, we'll get to that, Frank. Mm-hmm. So, since I personally enjoyed the last two Decide games, I decided to make this the grand finale. Instead of just doing the 1960s, I threw in the 70s and the 1980s just to make this a grand oh, finale dang. to the best game you guys ever played. Mm-hmm. No holds barred. Anything goes. First up, 1970s The Devils versus 1980s Possession. Uh, I don't even, I watched both of those movies. I'm not even, I don't even know if I could talk about them. So I'd have a hard time picking one over the other. I'll let you take that one. Yeah. Hmm. 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 I think I have watched the devils more. So. So the devils. The devils wins that one. Uh, for that reason alone, but both are excellent films. 1979's. Alien, I'm going to assume you meant to write there, versus 1982's The Thing. The Thing. The Thing. Yeah. yeah. Alien. Mm-hmm. Alien's awesome, but it's not The Thing. But it's not The Thing. Yeah. 1968's Rosemary's Baby versus 1973's The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Exorcist. Yeah. Oh, hands down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Easy peasy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Again, here's, an, well, this one's uh to me. 1963's High and Low. Versus 1985's Mishima. Hmm. Now, I've only seen both of those once. Yeah. And I don't feel comfortable making a hard decision on either of those. I'm easily Mishima. Okay. It's it's got the, one of the greatest film scores of all time. So. Does it? Yeah. That score is amazing. Philip Glass, just, I can listen to that like all the time. That that's that's like kind of my deciding factor because I've only seen Machine once as well, and I've seen High and Low twice. Mm-hmm. But like that uh, that viewing of Machine was something special. And Talking that, about a little Philip Glass, eh? I sure am. Oh, a little Philip Glass, Ooh, huh? Ooh, this one's 1968's 2001: A Space Odyssey versus okay. 1975's Barry Lyndon. Ah, um, uh, 2001. Yeah, I'd have to go 2001 there as well. Um, I've only seen Barry Lyndon once, and when I watched it, I like was floored by how great it was. And mm-hmm. uh, it is definitely on my attempted uh, rewatch for this year uh, in mm-hmm. light of watching The Favorite. So, yeah, I mean, 2001, though, is just like on a technical level and just uh, as, a tech- as a technical visual uh, spectacle, it's, yeah. Sure. Easy. Ooh, uh, 1962's The Lawrence of Arabia. The Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> the Lawrence of Arabia. That is that the sequel? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, versus 1984's Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind. Oh, um, so different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they both have sand. 
do they? Doesn't Nausicaa have sand it's, in it? It's got like a bunch of stuff. It's got lots, all sorts of environments. I don't really know, Jared. Uh, if you had, if I was like, if you're asking me, hey, where would you rather watch tonight? I'd go with Nausicaa because it's been, yeah. I've only seen it again. I've only seen that movie one time. Uh, and I really, really liked it. And uh, yeah, Lawrence of Arabia, I, I saw it in theater and that's amazing. But it's like not one of those like movies I'm just like going to pop on. For a casual view. Yeah, yeah. watch all yeah, three, well, whatever, three and a half hours of it. Throw on some Nausicaa. Mm, okay, here's another one. 1972's Aguirre, The Wrath of God versus 1988's The Last Temptation of Christ. I'll go with uh, my boy Willem Dafoe on that one. Oh, I thought you were about to say Mel Gibson by accident. Uh, yeah, I would I, I would prefer <laughs> Mel Gibson over either of those two movies, but it wasn't really an option. No, so. it wasn't. Um, I would go with Last Temptation because it's the last movie I saw of those okay. two. And because Aguirre, I have not watched for a long time, but mm-hmm. uh, I uh, I really like that movie too. Obviously, because it's on this list. 1977's yeah. Eraserhead versus 1980's The Shining. Shining. Eraser, but... Eraserhead for me. Okay, good, good, no. yeah, good. Um, good. yeah, that movie. I, good. I, I don't know. It's not for everybody, but man, good. That movie sticks to you. Yeah, I, I mean, I like Eraserhead oh, too. But what is this? 1976's Rocky versus 1980's Raging Bull. <laughs> 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 uh, I'll just say Rocky just for the hell of it. And I will say Raging Bull. Okay. Good. Oh, oh wait, that's not all. And finally, this one you'll have to rank. Whoa, what is this? What does that mean? Okay. This is this could be confusing because you don't get to see it. Okay. There's five movies, RJ. Okay. And we have to rank them. One to five? Okay. One Tex- being the best? Or one through five, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Videodrome. Okay. Night of the Living Dead. Okay. Dead Ringers. Okay. Blue Velvet. Dead Ringers, Blue Velvet, Videodrome, Texas Chainsaw, and then Night of the Living Dead. Is that your ranking? Yeah. Wow. Um, Don't hmm. ask me to repeat it because I've already forgotten. <laughs> I, I haven't even like thought about it yet. That's totally off the cusp, and I'm sticking by it. Th- those are my ratings. So rewind back if you want to hear those again. But from one to five, that's what I would do. Hmm. I have to write. I have to like, man. This is... Dead Ringers, Blue Velvet, Videodrome, Texas hmm. Chainsaw, hmm. Night of the Living Dead. Jeez Louise. That's what I'm doing. Um, um, hey, figure it out. Got man. it. Got it. Got it. I got it. Okay. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Videodrome. Yep. Blue Velvet. Okay. Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Dead Ringers. One to five? That's number one to five, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Not reverse order. I don't know. <laughs> A little different there from the two of us. Yep. Okay. So here's the thing that we can put out there. Babe or Gordy? <laughs> what are you going to pick, Jared? Do you remember Gordy? Vaguely. Yeah, who directed Gordy, I wonder? Do you know offhand? Okay, I'm going to finish up Frank's email. Yes. Do you know about Gordy? Yeah, this one's a killer. I had a hard time putting it together. Next year, we'll do the 2010s and see how those fare. Yeah, because it'll be end. It'll be over. The 2010s mm-hmm. will be over then. Anyways, next week, I'll try to come up with something new to email in. Maybe I'll go back to asking basic questions about buying Blu-rays. Maybe we'll talk about how I'm planning on trying the Grand Mac at McDonald's just to try my Ooh. luck. I don't know. We'll see. Have a good one, creeps. Thanks, Frank. 
Okay, so Gordy was directed by Mark Lewis, and uh, he never made anything else ever again. There you go. But I'm actually pretty curious, so Frank can write in, and if he hasn't seen them, I would suggest he changes that. Gordy or Babe, what's it going to be? <laughs> yeah. Anyone uh, else out there, too, you email in, let me know, Gordy or Babe. Yeah. What do you think about Gordy? Jared? RJ? Yeah? What have we been creeping on this week? Well, not Gordy, clearly. Clearly. Are you? Oh, are you asking me? I said, yeah. Uh, I don't know. What do you want me to talk about well, right I said, now? what have we been creeping on this week? Oh, uh, what do you want to hear about first? Dead kids or dead kids? Well, monster kids. Monster kids. Okay. They're, so, both, they're both monster kid movies, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say that. I, I was confused for a second. I was like, spoiler, wait a minute. What spoiler, 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 spoiler episode. You want to talk about those hard R's? Eh? Let's, let's talk about that pet cemetery. Oh, you want to talk about Pet Cemetery? See, yeah. I was going to go the other way because nah, this doesn't no, matter. Let's get it out of the okay. way. Pet Cemetery, Pet new, Cemetery. new movie directed by two adult men that two make people that, that make movies for a living. Two adult I'm, two adult men. They directed one movie that I've watched before this, Starry Eyes. It was okay. So I've never seen Starry Eyes. It's on that Shutter. Uh, I don't really want to check it out now, even though I had heard uh, it was okay. It's better than this one. This okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So people know I'm into that Stephen King. And people might not know, but Pet Cemetery is actually in probably like the, well, my you, number. You, you f- actually just literally talked about how it's your number one, I think, on this podcast. No, uh, it's not my number one. Oh. Uh, 11, 22, 63 is my number ah, one. Ah, right. But it's your first Pet Cemetery is for- in the top five. Okay. I All would right. say. Okay. Yeah, top five. I, I really like Pet Cemetery. It's really good. So I don't know. I would do like 11, 22, 63. Maybe Pet Cemetery, uh, and then like on writing, I like so, a lot. Under the Dome is really good. So as, as far as his horror though, like his like Prime Day horror stuff, it's number one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, yeah. uh, eleven twenty two sixty three came out like five, I, ten yeah. years ago. Quit, quit saying that title. <laughs> hey, you know, you ever heard of eleven twenty two sixty three? Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Yo, yeah. So other than the JFK book, uh, Pet Cemetery is probably one of my favorite. Um, I love that book. I think it's awesome. Uh, I don't, I didn't like the scare tactics they used about how Tabitha was like, this book's too scary. You can't publish this thing. You're never going to write again. And they like hid the book for a couple of years or something. I don't know if you ever heard that story, mm. but Tabby, they're sexually compatible, Jared, but Tabby thought uh, that this book was too much. And I get it. Uh, what this book does really well is it establishes, Hey, you know how I always talk about Flanagan and I always talk about grief and loss and guilt. Uh, this book is the perfect example and manifestation of all of those things. Well, well, uh, I wonder why Mike Flanagan uh, didn't get the call on this. I bet he would have done it if he could of have. He would have done it because he likes making money. And, yeah, and working. So, yeah. I would have loved <laughs> to have seen his take on this because I think the thing about Pet Cemetery yeah. is it's literal, but it's also like <laughs> it's metaphorical. Uh, it's all, it's just about loss. It's like, what do you do? Cause he was just like, what do you do if you like, if your kid died, how would you deal with that? And so like, I know that they do a literal thing in this, but at the same time, he's just, all the things they talk about in the book, all the things Steve does, he's just like, how do people deal with like when someone they love dies? Hmm. And I, I really like things that kind of touch on that in a, in a serious way. And I think this book really does it 
super well and it builds on all these different things and uh there's some things that show like how how people respond to each other and like distance themselves from the people that they like or that they love because of how they deal with things and then get into fights with people which is one of my favorite things and absolute favorite things in the book which might be in the original movie but it's about how the dad and the father-in-law just absolutely fucking hate each other they hate each other and uh, like when they first move out to the house, the father-in-law's like, "Why would you move your family out here? This is a shit house with a shit like yard in a shit town." And the dad's like, "All right, whatever." And then uh, Gage gets run over, and then they go to a funeral, and the father-in-law's just like, "Look what you did to your son, you shit dad!" And then they fight, and they knock the coffin over, and the body rolls out. And it's like it's such a dark thing in a book for like a little one. The little kid got ran over. But then it's like, hey, let's fucking toss his body on the floor. That's pretty dark. Uh, But I also really like Pet Cemetery because I think this is one of the rare occasions. This and the JFK book. I think he actually nails the ending. Like he does a really good job because I think the ending is like building on those those feelings of obsession and like what people go through. So I I like the book a lot. But Jarrett, even though I like the book, doesn't mean I can't be like, I can be like objective about this movie. I think this movie sucks hard. I really didn't like this movie for a number of reasons. So the movie is more or less like, I think the first half an hour is pretty straight adaptation. Let me tell you right now, RJ, I've never read this book. I've only watched the previous film adaptation and I don't think this movie is very good. Yeah. So I'm right. We're both right. Um, So it's like more or less a straight adaptation and I'm going to get into like mild spoilers, but but it's, can we say it's a typical Stephen King adaptation? Yeah. 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 I would say this is in par with like 94% of Stephen King adaptations for more or less, but like, uh, it's actually it starts out and it's kind of along the same path until a few different things happen and like they change which one of the kids dies which I don't think matters. Uh, I know why they do it in this. It's because they kill the older kid so that the so that they can like talk. It's a talking zombie instead of just like the toddler who runs around is like yeah. So they like give a talk, but it's a really lame way to like drop exposition on stuff because. The little kid is like, I'm dead now, and I don't feel the same as I did before. And you're like, yeah, we got that. That's like what but, this whole movie but just, is about. And just in case you didn't get it, <laughs> it plays a bunch of like spooky music. <laughs> just, oh, yeah. Just, just to make sure you realize, hey, not everything is what it seems. I think this kid's a little bit more <laughs> evil. And yeah. oh, oh, man. It's like, did I die? And then the music's like, boom, boom. And you're like, yeah, we know she died. We watched it happen. Well, but she and she's talking creepily. Vera puts yeah. some creepy music on that dude. She's got a Don't. lazy eye now yeah. for some reason. But yeah, like so they changed the kid and that's fine, whatever. But it is pretty lame. It's like the manis- manifestation of exposition. Like if exposition could be a character, that's what they created. And I was like, that's gross. Uh, I think the one thing that the movie almost gets right is the Zelda stuff. Because that was like one of the best parts of the story. And what's that? The original. Uh, the sister Zelda, yeah, okay. uh, who's like crippled in the bed. Yeah, I can't remember what it is. She has like scoliosis or something, where her spine is like all pretty, twisted pretty, up. Pretty, ex- pretty extreme scoliosis too. Yeah, uh, but or I something. think in 
the uh, the original movie is really good because they have a guy in there and it's like all prosthetics and it looks it looks pretty gross. Um, so they do a good job in the original one. This one is not. The, I don't know. It doesn't look as good. No, uh, I do like the the way they build it up where it's like the the wife or the sister hears it above her even when she's like on the top floor. I liked that, but then even that it's. I don't know. I, I find it a little bit hard to suspend disbelief. To it's like this lady who couldn't move just throws herself into a dumbwaiter. It's like, well, maybe not. Uh, so there's that. Um, I think they this movie's like super dumpy. Uh, it's there's so much CGI in this thing. Like they 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 filmed at a house that backs into the woods. And then when they go into the woods, they just use green screen. It's like, what's the point? Could you not afford lighting or something? Like, why Why did you film that in a, in a soundstage instead of at the woods that you were just at? Well, sometimes a soundstage and then other times in the green room. In the green room. Like, it's – or what, whatever it's called. It's like it's not real life. Yeah. So that looks like shit. Uh, there was a moment in the theater where I thought you were going to get up and leave. When, uh, <laughs> what part was that? <laughs> When Church, the cat, uh, <laughs> makes his way back home and it's walking on the highway. I looked at Jared and I honestly, I thought he was going to leave. <laughs> yep. So uh, uh, you can describe that scene for us if you want. Well, okay. The scene is, uh, so dad, Mr. A Botox face, he's dumped the cat to go get run over by a truck or be on its own. He just, he's, he can't kill the cat at yeah. all. The, the zombie monster cat. And he just leaves him alone. And then everything's like, hey, hey, honey, we're going to have your birthday. Sorry, church left. Uh, Don't worry about it. And then uh, they they all do play hide and seek by the incredibly dangerous road that reckless trucks drive down all day long. That they know about. They just haven't set up a fence yet. And Stephen King doesn't like cars. Doesn't like trucks. As it would would work out. Or minivans. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, little girl goes runs off to like hide during hide and seek. Mm-hmm. And then she looks down the road and she looks down the road and she sees a tail, a gigantic <laughs> cat tail coming down the road. And you're like, is a and, tree. And it's like kind of like coming from behind. <laughs> yeah. It's bigger than the trees. And you're like, what is this? And it's like, and then, and then you're like, what? Like, what? It's, it's, but it's kind of obscured. And then it comes back to her and she's like, what is that? And then it comes back and it's like the cat church this like mm-hmm. the cat's gigantic it's like the, like the size of like a, an rv like walking toward you and you're like what the fuck okay how do you how do you not like how do you fuck this up so bad like you sh- you have to make it small but or shoot it closer like why why are we doing it this forced perspective it looks so mm-hmm. it's comical and then uh we get the whole exchange where you're like oh shit Gage is going to run out to find her, find his sister. Oh no, he's going to get run down just like in the previous versions. Oh, swerve! Dad's mm-hmm. able to save him, but then the truck swerves out of the way and sends the the payload in the back, f- flying forward. And all of this is happening. We have all these shots of like kids looking at green screens with <laughs> really really bad compositing of things <laughs> that like are completely out of whack. Like the perspective is wrong. Just like stuff that you don't expect in 2019 considering mm-hmm. all the things we can do now with technology to just be like hey maybe we should uh, work on that maybe we should reshoot that or like do a better job next time but oh no they it's multiple shots like everything involving the kids and compositing it's uh, what it's like a neil breen <laughs> film 
yeah it's it's pretty bad jared like there's so much stuff there where you're just like oh like, like that's mean, what and, i mean and, the, and those are like outright bad things like things yeah. that like i don't think anyone is going to go and defend um but yeah like the thing you were talking about this like use of the forest like yeah you, that's the one thing that i miss about movies from the 80s and whatever like they had a sense of space you you, re, you really yeah. felt like you know when elliot's hanging out with et going mm-hmm. around in the woods and on the bike you're like you know you're there and it situates you properly it feels like hey i could like walk right through the if i could walk through the screen right now into the movie i know exactly where i would be and this fucking thing it's just like mm-hmm. oh, who cares it's like it seems like it's just like places to be conveniently on like it's like oh yeah who, who cares yeah. about that it's about the characters you're like no, it's your job is to make me like believe that this is happening. Instead, you're making me mm-hmm. actively kind of frustrated that you're failing as filmmakers to make me forget that I'm in a theater watching yeah. a movie. And it's just like basic shit like that. That I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying like I'm a this great cinematographer filmmaker, but mm-hmm. I feel like you, it's been done before effortlessly. Yep. For decades, other people do it. The good filmmakers do it. And this just, holy shit. I mean, sure. Oh, it's just Pet Cemetery. Who gives a crap? It's like, eh. I've watched a lot of like 80s horror stuff too, 70s. And they're mm-hmm. way better at like, just like creating a sense of space and place mm-hmm. that this completely fails to do. And then you, hey. get, then you get like dumb characters. Dumb, oh, yeah. These, these people are saying, hey, didn't we just buy uh, 50 acres? How far <laughs> back does that go? It's like, you know what? When I bought a house... I knew mm-hmm. every like square inch of my property and like, I, it's just a house. It's not a 50 acre thing, but I, I had, a, you know, an RPR done, a, mm-hmm. a real estate property report. And you're like, oh, you know exactly where your property is. Cause you have to know this stuff. Cause why wouldn't you like your lawyers? People who be- rent have to know that shit too. Like, yeah. it's not like you can just like, they're not that ball. And it's like, here's the money. Go buy a house or something. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't care. So doctor here, just like, oh, I don't even know what my prop- where my property line is. I just bought some random forest. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And you, and you had no concern. Like, you didn't, like, go out there with somebody with, like, a drone. Because, obviously, the filmmakers of this had access to a drone, RJ. <laughs> oh. I'm not sure if you're aware. Um, but, like, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what you would do. You're like, oh, you can't go through the wood. Well, you just put a little drone out and go look at your property because it'd be fun. That's what you would just do. A realtor with that sort of property would just be like, oh, yeah. Well, cool. We'll bring that out there. Just like the fact that yeah. I don't want that in the movie. Okay, like I don't want that conversation. But the fact mm-hmm. that dumb debt. Oh, is there that how many acres? How far back does this property go? It's like you can't do that. You can't do that anymore. It's mm-hmm. it's just because it brings attention to it's itself. A, it's asinine. Where, like you you think that it's like no one is like that. Come on. But no I, no one in this situation would be like that. Like that's what I mean. It's they weren't like Jeff Bezos where it's like I don't. He's like, I just bought this. I have no idea what it is, but I'm sure he would even, he's like, yeah, I know exactly what I bought. I'm sure the one that the river he is going to go, he's going to know like what about it. He's going to know about yeah. it. Or he's going like, to look into it. Or he it. doesn't care that there's like creepy kids in animal masks walking around on his oh, property, burying animals. That's one of, one of the dumpiest things about this. And like, so that's, bad. that's the biggest thing about this whole thing is that it's so lame where they like, they very clearly go for the spook show instead of like making a book or making the movie about something which is like what the book was about so it's like let's show some kids in animal masks for a second hey mom what is that uh it looks like a procession what's a procession? like a parade but uh sad yeah it's like uh okay uh but it's like spooky kids in animal masks there's like spooky zombie families and then 
I don't know, even starting the movie at the end of the movie and then cutting back, oh, yeah. it's like, oh, isn't that spooky? That, that, the, the cold opening of like what happens yeah. later, like a, With like a like house a, burning like an Outer down. Limits episode. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense either. Like the way that they end this thing is horrible where it takes away all the consequence of like anything that happens. It's like, oh, look, they're just starting a zombie commune now. Sure. Maybe. Whatever. Or not. But and, like, or not even like it's just kinda, that's it. Or, no, it ends with, oh, man, they're going to kill the kid. It's like, so, but who cares? Who at this cares? Point? Who cares? Like, the kid would, will be, yeah, the, yeah. Why would anyone care at that point? Like, that's that's it, the yeah. biggest. It's thing. definitely no the mist. Yeah. Oh, there you go. But I like when you were saying talking about space, where it's like, you know, what movie you got a really sense, uh, got a sense of space, Jarrett? Video violence. <laughs> that shot on VHS thing. You know why? Because yep. the guy's like, I'm going to go down to the sheriff's office. It's like, I'm going to run there. And then you watch this guy run there on the main street the whole time. It's and you're like, like, yeah, it's like, you're like all right, this guy's actually running yeah, there. Yeah. It's like completely like shit and unnecessary. But you know what? I get it. I had a, like, I was like, kind of like, oh yeah, this is fine. And that movie yeah. had no money. And this, yeah, this, no this money. has like, I'm assuming like, you know, quite a bit more money. And here we are. But people just like appear in in places and you're like, oh, how did that happen? Oh, whatever. Doesn't matter. Oh, it's a Wendigo. I looked it up when I was Googling. Ooh, spooky. Well, no, if that was uh, in a book. Yeah, that was Judd, which uh, John Lithgow, I'm on board with, but uh, he doesn't do any. uh, And I found that upsetting because that's actually like a big part of the book. But he could have done it, but he didn't want to do it like what's his ass. The guy from the Munsters? I'm going to look this up because I've been thinking about it all weekend and I I never looked it up because I'm bad no. at stuff. But yeah, no, folks. Uh, that This new Pet Cemetery, uh, not not a very good movie. Um, Fred Gwynn. There you go. Yeah, Fred on the waterfront Gwynn. Yeah, yeah, this movie stinks, dude. Yeah. Like, it sucks. I, I think I, like, rate it higher than you because i'm using the uh the stephen king spectrum of uh sure that i have a ranked list of and i'm like well it's definitely it's better than cell but uh (laughs) but i'm also harder on those movies too because of my own personal biases that's right right which is why i was also very critical of another movie i watched Jarrett. unless you have anything more to add about pet cemetery um this movie fails, RJ. So no, I'm good. I'm good. Tell me about so, Pet Cemetery Two. Pet Cemetery Two, starring your friend Edward Furlong. That's right. He's in this thing. So Pet Cemetery Two is a really weird John movie. John Connor. That's him. T two. Edward T two Furlong is in this thing. Uh, this is a weird movie. Because it's the same director, uh, like from the original one, Mary Lambert, I think her yep, name is, yep, yep. and uh, so she like worked on it. And I actually think the story is really like kind of interesting. I was like, yeah, that makes sense for a sequel. Um, what they build up. So you have this kid who lives with his mom in Hollywood, and she's a big time actress. And in the opening of the movie, she's like in this medieval times kind of horror movie. And there is some kind of like mishap in the set and she gets electrocuted and she dies. So then what happens is uh, their dad who lives in Ludlow or close to Derry, as you might know, uh, is like, all right, well, I guess you're moving back here with me. The dad is a vet. And what they do is they're like, well, we'll move away from Hollywood because it's like everyone's on us right now. We'll go back to like where I grew up, whatever. So they go and they don't live in the same house, but they're there. 
this kid's from Hollywood. He is, uh, he's like a nice boy. He's a nice boy, Jared. He finds some kittens and he tries to protect them. The local school bully takes the kitten on a motorbike ride and then uh, real life stunts from this like 15 year old kid with no helmet is holding this kitten in front of him and he goes, are you having fun yet? As they're driving like 60 miles an hour on a highway. Mm -hmm. I was like, uh, so they take the Caffrey ride, but this boy just wants him back. He gets the kitten back unharmed. Uh, he also befriends uh, a real fat kid with this huge dog named Zowie. Now, this real fat kid, Jarrett, is also a nice boy. And his stepdad, Clancy Brown, that's right, is the sheriff in town. But, uh-oh, Clancy Brown is a huge, tremendous piece of shit person. A Stephen so King he, sheriff, almost. Almost. He, like, raises rabbits, and he's mad that the dog is, like, barking at him and stuff. So what happens is the dog, Zowie, is barking at the dogs. Clancy Brown shoots the dog, and then when the mother goes, what did you do? He's like, I told him. Told him not to have that dog. So they go and they bury the dog. Zowie comes back. Zowie is pissed off. They take Zowie to the vet. Zowie kills a bunch of other animals in the vet office. Zowie comes back. Zowie eats Clancy Brown, bites his neck. So now the kids are like, uh-oh, what did we do? So they bury Clancy Brown. Clancy <laughs> Brown comes back as a zombie. He's talking this time. He gets into all sorts of stuff. Because uh, I don't know what you were thinking when you watched the original Pet Cemetery, Jared. But some people were like, you know what this movie really needs? An aggressive rape scene from one of the zombies. And that's what you get in this sequel. They really rectified that. They're like, we'll get Clancy Brown back and we're going to have him rape this woman real bad. Uh, she, he just <laughs> he does the, the clean rip, like cartoon rip from the collar down where the shirt just completely comes off. Yep. He does one of those and you're like, whoa. So Clancy Brown is a zombie now going around raping people. Hmm. And he's also going around killing people and putting them in the pet cemetery. So he's making his own zombie army. Edward Furlong is just like, hey, you know what? They actually came back to life. What about my mom? So he goes from like zero to 60 really fast where he's like kind of interested. But then he goes full crazy where he like sets out all his mom's clothes and he's wearing a tux. And the dad is like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, I wanted everything to be ready when mom comes home. And you're like, where did this come from? <laughs> Comes out of nowhere. Uh, the dad is one of the doctors from ER. I don't think I mentioned that. He has the weirdest wet dream I've ever seen where it was like the dead wife is there, but then the dead wife's head turns into the dog, Zowie, and then it's actually Zowie, the dog, and he's fighting it, and then the dog jumps through a window, and he's like, oh, man, that was hot, and you're just like, what? Uh, this movie is extremely upsetting for many reasons. Uh, not in any that I think it intends to be. There's some grisly animal stuff in this. There is all those things that I just mentioned. Uh, Pet Cemetery 2 is very weird, Jarrett. Uh, I kind of liked the idea of it, but um, some of the things, they uh, they just weren't my things. Mm. You know what I mean? Should I watch this movie? You might get more out of it than I did. I would say maybe in like a Creeptober binge, but... Uh, <laughs> No, like honest, you you might be like, oh, it's not bad, but it's wasn't quite my thing. Okay. So, but I thought some of the things that they did were okay. Anyways, that's Pet Cemetery Two. Mm -hmm. Did you ever know anything about that? Were you interested? I I always knew that they made a sequel that has nothing to do with any of the books or anything like that. So I was always yeah. like, 
Oh, that's weird. It's like, that like, <laughs> seems like the worst idea possible, making sequels to Stephen King film adaptations. Because, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, The Mangler 2, uh, sometimes they come back for dinner. Uh, that that whole line of film. Uh, yeah, just it's not, like, that's like kind of my line that I don't cross. Yeah. Well, there's this. Yeah. Where's The Shining 2? Uh, I'm still working on it. Okay. Yeah, Danny. Oh, actually, Doctor Sleep. Flanagan's doing that. That's official though, because that's actually a Stephen King novel. Oh, you're. Oh, I see. What, I see. And, what and you're it's all, isn't it also like Firestarter too, all in once? I don't know. Probably. I think so. I've never read Doctor Sleep. I don't know. Okay. Fine. Well, there you go. That's Pet Cemetery too, buddy. Tell me about Billy Elliot. What do you want to know about Billy Elliot? Have you never seen Billy Elliot? No. Really? Is, is this like the Full Monty? Not quite. <laughs> Billy Elliot is a 2000s movie from the man who brought us The Hours, The Reader, and Extremely Loud and oh, Incredibly wow. Close. Th- this is extremely why I've never watched this movie because I've never seen any of those films because th- they're uh, the flip side of the British cinema that I watch, which we'll talk Isn't about Isn't The Hours more pretty later. highly rated? I, I don't care. It's, what, it's, oh. it's prosthetic cinema. Oh, I see. Prosthetics. So Billy Elliot, Jerry, is a movie that I watched, I think, in like junior high school. Because I think the teacher is like, this is a good story for you. It's got Catholic messages. Throw this shit on. And we're like, all right. So Billy Elliot is about a kid in the early 80s in England somewhere. Somewhere in England. Or is it Scotland? doesn't matter. Wait, it does matter. Because there's like a whole thing about like the client. It's in one of those UK places, Jeremy. I see. So Billy Elliot is like an 11-year-old kid. His dad's a real prick. He is like, when you see him, he's the guy you're like, oh, that's going to be our our designated asshole for the movie today. Uh, What is his name? Gary Lewis. He's in Gangs of New York. He's like some guy in that. Anyways, so he's in this. His dad's like paying for him to go take boxing lessons, but he really hates it. You know what Billy loves to do, Jarrett? Dance. He loves dancing. He just wants to dance. Yeah. He loves he loves the feeling. He loves like moving and just like letting his body take over and just feeling it. So he goes and uh, what's happening in the gym is on the side the local ballet uh, is coming in because they they're out of space. So Billy's watching and he's like, hmm, this doesn't look too bad. So he starts attending the ballets and he or like the ballet practice the dancers. And he joins them, and he starts to ballet. But it's a secret because his dad doesn't <gasps> want no poof. A poofta? A poof, as they mentioned many times in this movie. A oh, poof. Oh, yeah. Uh, on, additionally, and concurrently on the side, the dad and the son are in the midst of a strike at the local coal mine. They, they sure like to strike in the UK. Oh, they sure do. So they're striking at the coal mine, and uh, so their lives are busy because they're – constantly picketing and uh making the lives miserable for the scabs who are going to the mine to dance or to you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. you know what i mean jerry i know about so, scabs yeah so eventually they find out that billy's dancing and the dad's like i don't want no puff uh <laughs> but then the ballet lady is like hey he made it to go audition for this very fancy elite ballet school it's like if he makes it in there his life will be better so the family kind of rallies, they pull it together, and they they get behind Billy, and they send him to the ballet school. And it's all about that. Billy, it's pretty good. 
like it's not a bad movie. I remember when I was younger, I was like, oh man, Billy Elliot's a shit because it's <laughs> it's all about this kid like standing up to like man. the authorities just, and the just parents. Just think in another era, if you could have been on Reddit talking about how Billy Elliot's the shit. Billy Elliot's the shit. Yeah, not anymore. I don't want to do that. But uh, I don't know. Billy Elliot's actually not like a bad movie. It's it's pretty pretty good. It's got some nice things going for it, film-wise. It's got mm. a nice message. Mm. Be what you want to be, Jarrett. Don't let no angry, aggressive United Kingdom dad tell you what to do. Uh, I don't think this is a Jarrett movie. I think you're more a Simon Birch kind of guy. I see. You know Simon Birch? I'm aware of the Simon I, Birch. I always got these movies confused because it was like names. Kids, kids and names. And names, yeah. So I think uh, I think you would be more on the Simon Birch side of history. But uh, Billy Elliot's not bad. However, it is fucking hard to understand. So this was on Netflix, and we had to put the subtitles on because mm. I was like, I don't know what any of these people are saying. Mm. So very tough. Yep. But uh, it's got a young Jamie Bell. I know you like him from uh, King Kong, Snowpiercer, Tintin, Fantastic Four. Yeah, I love his work. Yeah, you're a big Jamie Bell guy. But yeah, that's Billy Elliot. It's uh, pretty good. Okay. We're good. Hey, RJ, we watched one other movie separate of one another, but this week. Jesus, that was so long ago. I, I honestly forgot I watched that thing. We watched It's Alive. How come we both watched the same movie in the same week? Um, Because I wanted to watch a Larry Cohen movie and didn't have time the week that he died. And you mm. watched one, and I was like, well, fuck you, buddy. I'm going to watch three Larry Cohen movies. Oh, Christ. All right. So why don't you take it away then, Coach? Since, since you don't remember watching this film? Yeah. Oh, I can talk about it. I watched yeah, I wa- I watch It's Alive. Uh, mm-hmm. Some might call it the poor man's basket case. Some man may... What do you prefer? It's Alive or Basket Case? Uh, well, I'd have to rewatch Basket Case, but maybe Basket Case. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Yeah, so It's Alive. Uh, this is a Larry Cohen joint mm-hmm. um, shot in Los Angeles. It kind of resembles a weird Columbo episode in some ways. Like, it is mm-hmm. very 70s. Very 70s. Very uh, 70s movie. Yes. Do you think people understand that when we do that? No. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Even better. Yeah, unless there's some Kenny versus Spenny fans out there. There could be. Anyways, keep uh, going. Anyways, so it's alive. Uh, this dad, he's like real happy. Him and his wife are having a baby. They're having a second kid, and they're so happy. And they're like, oh, funny. I hear I feel it kicking. He's like, okay, honey, I'll go get dressed. And then we're going to send our son off to live with, like, our friend for, like, a while. Yeah, you don't really know who that guy is. Is he an uncle? Is he a friend? I think he's a friend. He's a cool guy. Patrick, okay. whatever his name was. He's a cool Patrick. guy. I think. Okay. So anyway, and then they go to the hospital. Everything's great. And then she's like, oh, there's something a little, I don't know, this doesn't feel right. And it's like, oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> and then then death and mayhem hit. And we get, like, probably the best scene in the movie when uh, dad comes into the, the delivery room and, like, everyone's just fucking murdered, dead. And the baby's gone. And you're like, what the? Because babies aren't supposed to do that. They're not supposed to get up and go and kill people and slash their <laughs> is that not out. what happens not to my understanding but oh, I'm, okay. I'm not a parent so they're like oh man that's really weird <laughs> and uh <laughs> then mom and dad like go home and uh 
there's like these people being killed one by one. Uh, dad, like, it's like a minor thing. He's like works for like a public relations company, and but he's like names out there as being the father of the monster. And uh, they're mm-hmm. like, uh, maybe you should take some vacation time right now. We, we can't have a public relations man with a PR nightmare behind him. And uh, sure enough, so he takes some time off, even though the job would help take his mind off of his killer monster baby on the loose. A monster fetus that has erupted oh, from his life. It's not a fetus anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, it's an infant. Mon- not anymore. It's gigantic. It's, it's like, like it's, one it's of those like, Duncan children. Yeah, it's a, it's a guy in a rubber suit with like a uh, mongoloid head. A sharp, what kind of head? Sharp teeth, uh, bulgy eyes. Nice. So it's running around, killing people left and right. <laughs> and uh, there's like things like, well, where is it going in this manhunt? LA, LA cops sweeping. They, they, they go to a backyard, draw their guns on a regular baby. A normal baby. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> is it? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like, why not? That's the sort of uh, director and filmmaker uh, Larry Cohen was. Sure. He goes for broke. So anyway... Uh, the baby it turns out it's trying to make its way back home. It just knows. No one knows really. There's no explanation how it knows where his parents are. They can smell. They they just they just he just knows and he's making his way bit by bit. And um, finally he shows up. Like actually, it's not even finally. It's like at the hour mark of this hour and a half movie, it gets home and dad starts lighting him up with bullets. Uh, not before, of course, the family cat is devoured, uh, which RJ probably was like very happy about. And then, uh, and then, like the baby's like been rejected and angry and alone, and the dad's like, "Ah, it's not my baby the whole time. It's not my baby." <laughs> but then he's like, "But my baby, my baby needs me. I should have shot you this whole time. I'm sorry, son. I'm sorry." And then there's like some sewer chasing and uh, defending this this bundle of cloth that the baby is just often depicted as. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, finally, the baby gets lit up. And uh, it's all very sad. But then we got a twist of like, oh, my God, there's reports of another baby in Seattle. It's also a waterhead. Yeah. And what do they call the baby in this thing? I, I don't know. What, what, what do they call what it? What was that word they used, Jarrett? I don't know. What, what oh, people oh, might have to watch oh, it for themselves. Oh, that. Yeah, they're, they, they, the, the, the PR, the public relations boss, he says, yeah. hey, there's a well, – they don't call this baby that, but they call like, yeah, Joey in the accounting, his, his son's retarded. He, he, it's tough. And then like, that's like, my son's not retarded. He's it's not like, like, it was an infant like that. that killed an entire room full of people. <laughs> it's like, you know one of them retarded? Oh my goodness! So, anyways, it's alive. This movie is fine. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's it's okay. I agree with it's, that. It's a goofy '70s romp. Um, it's no <laughs> The Exorcist, <laughs> uh, no. but I don't know. Uh, what did you think of this, RJ? I like certain aspects of uh, how Larry Cohen does stuff. Like yep. I think I said with Q, I like how that movie's not really about that giant monster. It's more about like this guy who's just like, hey, I need a job. Ooh. So it's like stuff like I like how he kind of focuses on other things. He's and a, I was he's, he's a little loose in his filmmaking. Yeah, he's a little loose. Uh, I like his style and I like the look of his stuff because I just like those 70s things like you do. Um, but also some of it, I was just like, yeah, no, thanks. 
Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think in the first in like minute, the dad goes to wake up the son and he takes the cat and he's moving the cat at the son's head. He's yes. like just pushing the cat onto his son. I was like, oh, it's not really what I think oh, that cat wants. Come on. Come but you know what's even weirder on. than that <laughs> is the uh, when it's the the kid's wallpaper. It has like male and female like gender signs. And like the words of love everywhere. And I was like, what is up with this wallpaper? Like, was this filmed on like a porno set or something? Like, what? well, no eight year old kid would have like wallpaper that was like male, no. female sign symbols with the words of love everywhere. Why do you think that's a porn thing? Why would that be a little kid thing? But, but well, why would it be anybody's thing? Have you ever watched pornography? No. Is it good? <laughs> Okay, well, my point is, is it? did you not find it weird that this little kid had this, like, weird erotic I stuff? I didn't even notice because I was being really moved by the, <sighs> the Siamese cat. Oh, the cat that was getting pushed onto a kid? He was being made to nuzzle. And the cat did seemed... they kill that cat for real? Yeah, RJ. Uh, like, all the, all the animals that we're going to be talking about tonight, they're all dead on the moon. Some movies do that. On the moon. Some movies do that. Okay, continue. That's it. That's all I have to say That's about all. It's Alive. Okay. It's, I thought it was fine, yeah. but... So I watched It's Alive Again, the sequel. Oh, is that any good? Uh, no. Uh, actually, it starts off better. Like, I think the first okay. half hour of this is like... I, I'm like, oh, I like this movie way more than the, the other one. But mm-hmm. then it just keeps going. And that's kind of the fate of both these movies, <laughs> is they really run out of steam. And uh, so this one... Um, jackass he's he's back and he's like traveling around with some like organization trying to save the monster babies now Mm -hmm. and we get some like hand wave thing like how's your wife doing oh she's fine and like you never see her or hear from her again it's just like the dad show helping this like new couple trying to navigate being the parents of monster babies but they want to like make sure that this like other government agency doesn't like kill the baby right away because they know the babies are dangerous mm-hmm. um and so this like covert group group of like baby deliverers delivering like babies out of the back of a truck uh show up at the hospital and there's like guns being drawn on doctors people being taken hostage babies mm-hmm. being taken out and still people are getting killed and everyone's like this is still a really good idea we should be definitely saving the monster babies Mm-hmm. Um, and then they take them to a compound where there's two other monster babies. There's another male and a female, and they're talking about like breed, breeding them and, uh, and making like uh, like I don't know the new the next step in evolution. You know, as you do in cinema. So it sounds like cool ideas, but what's better, it's alive two or basket case two? Oh, basket case two is like so. Yeah, that like, movie's that, pretty cool. And that movie's so all the spe- they, just for the practicals amazing uh-huh. yeah this is not that again like there's like a real obvious problem that they don't ever really let you linger very long on the uh the, the babies you don't mm-hmm. get to see the monsters like they're always like because it's so cheap they're always in shadows and it's like oh you get to see them for like half a second so it's not yeah. like oh, what do i care about this and like oh look it's more <laughs> bundles of cloth being swaddled like that's it there's no baby it's just a bundle of cloth um anyway. well that's what you looked like though I was a, but I was, I existed. I wasn't just literally cloth. Did you though? Maybe, unless I was towely. Okay. Um, so yeah, this started off strong, I think, and then it just kind of kept going and going and going. And you're just like, none of these people's decisions make any sense. In fact, there's some real serious editing problems where I, I thought the movie was like looping back on itself, and you're like, wait, is, is there like a problem with the DVD? 
like the dad's like being like startled by something in his bed, but then they cut back. And he's like, oh, he's fine. But he's like, no selling it. You're like, what was that scene then? How did his wife sleeping in the other bed not notice this? What's going on? And yeah. Uh, so. What was going on? I have no idea. Oh. I have no, oh, it's I, one of those. Yeah. Like it just seemed like this strange scene, this thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it's not very often I see a movie where like something like that happens where you're like, what was that? They, like outside of like real bottom of the barrel cinema, this is like above that. And sure enough, there's a thing where you're just like it's inexplicable. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention. I don't know. And then RJ, I capped it all mm-hmm. off with uh, revisiting uh, Larry Cohen's God Told Me To. Oh, yeah. Right. Yes. Oh, actually, no. Wait, God Told Me To is good. I thought you yeah. were going. I you, thought you watched It's Alive 3. No, no, no. I watched God Told Me To, if you were paying attention, which is a movie that you gave four stars to. Uh, I I remember liking it when I watched it. Is it still good? It, I like it. I, the first yeah. time I ever watched that movie, it blew my dick off, as they say. Oh. Uh, not anymore, though? No. Uh, it, it, even, like, the second time I had seen it, I remember being like, oh, this isn't as awesome as I remember. Because the first time I watched this, it was on a, like, cheap dollar disc from walmart that mm-hmm. they had just by itself uh and i watched this like kind of like and it was like everything i wanted out of like a 70s exploitation movie uh at that time when i had not watched very many and i was just like mm-hmm. looking at vhs covers and tapes and being like man i want to watch more movies like that and then i watched this and this movie is like all those things on all fronts and it was just like yeah this is incredible and then mm-hmm. subsequent viewings it's kind of like this movie's like better made than I thought it was uh, now that I can actually watch it like on proper a proper DVD and now I can watch it on a Blu-ray um, mm-hmm. but it's like it's very uh, it's Larry Cohen it, this is a, a New York one though and it is again loose shaggy dog kind of story uh, I'm not sure how much of this you recall uh, the movie opens up with people being sniped off uh, on the sidewalk of New York there's mm-hmm. a there's a sniper up on a water tower just killing people the, our main character, uh, he's a cop. He goes up top to basically kind of like say, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> Maybe you should come down here so we can arrest you so we don't have to just murder you down. And the guy's all smiles, mm-hmm. and he's like, well, what, what, what can you do this? He's like, oh, I'll tell you. God told <laughs> me to. And as soon as he says that, he jumps off and kills himself. And then Is that the, bad, though? Uh, I mean, I guess it saves the taxpayer some money. Oh. Um, and then... Uh, he wakes up and this kind of kicks off a whole series of like, God told me to killings, which are being carried out by people like completely random strangers. People are totally unassuming, but suddenly they're being driven to kill and harm people. And they're, they're totally fine. Like acting Mm -hmm. beyond these killings. Uh, and then aliens are introduced into the (laughs) story and, uh, uh, manginas, uh uh-huh. and oh, then what? Uh telekinesis and Oh okay. Like, Those aren't as good as the first two. Yeah, it's uh yeah, this movie's got like kind of a little bit of everything. It, again, also uh like it's alive. Uh it has that like Columbo episode gone wrong vibe to it. Like it, it it's very 70s. Um mm-hmm. uh it's also a good depiction of how Larry Cohn was making movies at this period of time. 74 four uh where he would just like not ask for permission at all in new york city he was just shooting guerrilla style on the streets they'd be like hey we need to do the shot just start walking mm-hmm. down here and we'll film it and you can just see people are like looking at the camera as this is happening because they're like well we don't have money to do that to get film permits to get 
that all that clearance and get insurance, we'll just shoot it. We just need our actors and our cameras and some sound, if that, and <laughs> just shoot stuff. And it worked. He uh, nailed it because he does that in this uh, Black Caesar. Um, it's a it makes it for like an interesting feel to his movies. So like I do still like God Told Me To. I might even say it's his best movie. There's this other one that I really like with uh, Yafit Kodo called Bone. That is also quite a. I mean, I remember being really good. Like the comic book Bone. Uh, yeah, spelt like that, but not with phone bone. <laughs> what do you mean phone bone? That's his name. That's the main bone's name. Phone bone. I never read bone. I'm not a little kid. You were. How I'm not about? now. Wow, look at you. Call yourself a comic fan? I ne- I've never stated that. Okay. I have a Bane statue. You're, you're a Batman fan. You're not a comic fan. That's a different breed. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, God told me to was fine. This is my trip down honoring Larry Cohen and being like, yep, mm. he's like kind of a cool guy, but he's not mm. like that. I don't know. People, people might be like, hey, he's this brilliant filmmaker. And nah. like, it's like, no. That's like everybody who dies, though. He was brilliant. It's like, yeah. no, he wasn't. Yeah. You know what I thought of when you just said you're like, that was my part of honoring him. I was thinking of Starship Troopers where it always cuts to the like propaganda and it's like, I did my part. So like every time someone like an actor or director dies, it'll cut to people watching his movies and they'll be like, I did my part. There you go. Yeah, I sure helped him out. Yep. It's like, well, he's dead. So, I mean, I watched it too because yeah. I did my part. I could have watched, I, I watched that King Cohen documentary, but I don't even know how I, I could watch that. Is that on Shudder too? It is. No. It is. I was going to, but at the, the same time, I was like, I'm pretty sure I haven't seen half of these movies, so yeah. I don't know if there'd be a point. I'd, I'd watch the movies if you ever do that. No, I probably won't do that anymore. Yeah. I watched. He's dead now. I it's mean, alive, so. Yeah. Yeah, he is dead, so fuck him. <laughs> wow. Hey, RJ. What? You, you got any news? Uh, nothing I care about. Well, as, as Frank alluded to, Dusty from Royal Tenenbaums, <laughs> Seymour Cassell died. He's yeah, de- that's a bummer. He's dead. Max's I like dad. Him. Oh, oh. Uh, I like Seymour Cassell in uh, that movie where he plays the really old guy. Do you know that? <laughs> like with, with, with John Cassavetes? Well, no, with um, Richard Dreyfus, where they play like a, a ragtag team, ragtag team of old guys, mm. and they like go around like retirement homes, and they're like super old. I'm gonna find it for you. you talk about Seymour Cassell. Well, if you want. That, that's about it. He, uh, I remember seeing him in like whatever was, was it Shadows, Faces, whatever it was. One of the those early sure. uh, Cassavetes movies, and being like, "Hey, that guy looks really familiar," and being like, "Holy shit." That's the guy in those Wes Anderson movies. What, what's mm-hmm. all that about? And uh, I'm like, oh, it's the same man. He was an actor all these years. He was also in the hit comedy from the 2000s, The Crew, starring uh, Richard Dreyfus, Burt Reynolds, Seymour Cassell, Jennifer Tilly, Jennifer and Tilly. all the others. Oh, I didn't know she was an old man. She is now. Yeah. And then also, RJ, we missed this last week. Your, mm-hmm. your favorite director, Agnes Varda, died. I don't care. Does anybody? Uh, people were definitely posting about it on Twitter. Well, they, I feel like all those people, they were more tapped into the art scene because it seems like she was more of an artist yeah. or she, she, yeah, she was a, more she, than a filmmaker. It's like, it's like she's one of those directors. That's in the, it's like she's like one of those directors in the Criterion Collection or something. Well, whatever. The movies I watched from her, I thought were OK to I don't care at best. Yeah. 
So what about you? What is your opinion on Agnes Varda? Uh, it's one of those like, oh shit, she was still alive. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I, I think I remember mentioning it on the show, and I got that tre- exact quote from you. So, oh, when I was like, that lady's still alive. Yeah. There's that. There's that photo of her in a potato suit. Come on, the gleaners and I, potatoes. It, she has is, a sense of humor, because that's a rare um, thing in life. People with senses of humor. But, uh, as demonstrated by you. But, um. Hey, RJ, what? Are you ready to catch some rats? Uh, I've been known to do things of the sort. After the break, we're getting some sticks and we're beating up some garbage bags. I'm fine with that part, that aspect. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. And tonight we're talking about Ratcatcher from 1999, directed by Lynn Ramsey. Synopsis here from Letterboxd. James Gillespie is 12 years old. The world he knew is changing. Haunted by a secret, he has become a stranger in his own family. He is drawn to the canal where he creates a world of his own. He finds an awkward tenderness with Margaret Ann, a vulnerable 14-year-old expressing a need for love in all the wrong ways, and befriends Kenny, who possesses an unusual innocence in spite of the harsh surroundings. (gasps) That's uh, descriptive, hey? Yeah, it's evocative language, RJ. Don't say that word, but I just mean like... (laughs) These things are all these letterbox reviews are always like either like so super vague 
or overly descriptive. There's no middle ground, you know? There's no middle ground, Jarrett. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? You know. Hey, RJ. You know? What? <laughs> what do you know of British cinema? And I know this movie's Scottish, so it would be technically United Kingdom cinema, but I just like to say British cinema. This film fits right into that umbrella for Well, me. since you brought it up, I just watched Billy Elliot. Does that count? Uh, yeah, that's like the the flip side of British cinema. There's like the it's like two sided. I like there's like either these like the the Oscar happy movies that like mm-hmm. are like oh aren't British people charming, and then there's yeah. the rat catcher side of the equation, the with nail and I side of the equation. There's aren't those charming also? Uh, well, charming in the sense that generally there's like it's they're gray. Uh, oh yeah, Earl Grey, grimy. Oh yeah, Earl Grimy. Uh, a strain of miserableism that runs through everything. Um, oh yeah, Earl miserableism. Uh, a, a, a rapeness to the films. Yeah, in a in in a way. Yeah, uh, an unintelligible accents uh, theme. Oh, oh yes, yeah. If you can't have subtitles, which I couldn't for this movie, yeah, and uh, uh, I found it. Very difficult to follow, but uh, I'm a professional, so I made it work. Yeah, uh, mostly it's just because it just makes you concentrate so much that you're like, this isn't mm-hmm. this isn't easy to watch. No, it's well, you're actively watching instead yeah. of passively watching, Jerry, and you're just like, Ugh. that's like, uh, that's the sound I made. Oh, I know, oh, I know. Another hallmark is, of course, like horrible children because kids are like real, mm. real bad. Like, what is this the Stephen King kids. novel? Wow. Hey, don't jump the gun there yet. Okay, okay, we'll okay. get there. We'll, we'll uh, get to there. answer your question, so I just went to my letterboxd yep. all time, and you know how they have that nice little map yeah. down at the bottom? So I clicked on the UK, and it claims that I've watched 400 films produced in the UK, hmm. which I feel like is not the best aggregate of these things because there's movies on here like Eddie the Eagle, Blade Runner 2049, Mute. Hmm. Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, like Baby <laughs> Driver. So I, I don't think these are necessarily UK filmed, but it's because there's a UK producer on it. So other than that, though, I don't really know how to tell you about UK films because without being able to find it on Letterboxd, I'm lost. Okay. Actually, wait, here's one. Isn't Neil Marshall from the UK? Yes. Well, well, he directed one of the absolute worst movies I've ever seen in Doomsday. So uh, you can take that as it is for United Kingdom and, movies. And he, and he might have directed one of the worst movies of the year, uh, Hellboy. Hellboy. Yeah, that remains to be seen, but uh, people will know tomorrow, I guess, at the official release. Well, as a time of recording, just before we started, uh, it looked like Ron Tomatoes had it at, at 9%. Oh, terrific. But, okay. So like, there's like a guy, you've, a movie uh, a filmmaker you've never probably seen a movie of, uh, Shane Meadows. His film's kind of like... Falls, yeah, Shane Meadows. He falls into this kind of line. Uh, there's a, a there was quite a school of like um, pretty well regarded uh, English films, British films that were coming out in the mm-hmm. 2000s. I got to watch a lot of these because uh, my friend Amanda, she had lived in England for a couple years, and she was just like basically watching British TV and TV shows uh, and like movies. And so when she moved back, she got a Region Two player, and she was like, "You got to come over and watch all this stuff." So I got quite a, a beat down on this. Uh, my friend Corey mm-hmm. um, has long had a, a fascination, a real Anglophile uh, with this stuff. So I had a, I've, I've quite a bit of this floating around. 
Long Good Friday, another uh, British movie that we watched. Yeah. Online, but uh, I oh I mean I like the British movies. Yeah. I just couldn't find a good way to narrow my uh, sight here on a specific like director or genre because I was like, let me look up British movies, and it was like, here's a here's just a handful of movies that some of them aren't even British. It's like, oh no, okay, there you go. So, okay. anywho, yes. Uh, so this movie, this number kicks off with a bang. Does it? It's set in Glasgow, 1973. This is not the picturesque highlands of Rob Roy or Braveheart. No, RJ. This is some dingy urban squalor. No running hot water, no bathing facilities, no indoor toilets, and most importantly, no hope or escape. There's a kid hanging out with his downtrodden mother, going for a dip in the local canal. Uh, Him and another boy, they start doing a little bit of roughhousing, throwing mud in one another's eyes. And one thing Uh leads to another, and now you've got a dead, drowned kid. Oh, um, good. And then, and then that kid that he was playing with turns out to be the protagonist. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, Al, one of my favorite movies, Gummo. We get to experience this world through the eyes of a twelve-year-old boy. Uh huh. And like RJ's favorite film, Gummo, we get ourselves <laughs> some good old-fashioned cruelty to animals. <laughs> oh boy, do we? <laughs> I mean, do we I, ever? I, I don't want to ruin your spot here or anything like that. I mean, no, no, for, no, for, no. For, for a movie called Ratcatcher, I mean, yes, there's there's some sort of like hint I think there in the title that there might be I'll something get to it. something to be afoot. I'll um, get to it. So for the RJs in the crowd, mm-hmm. um, we we get scenes of children children marching around literal piles of garbage accumulated during a garbage strike because of the overwhelming rat problem that emerges from not picking up garbage for weeks on end <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, beating garbage bags with sticks because you got to flush out the rat somehow and then beat them to death with sticks. Now, that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily be shown on screen, but uh, there's definitely some... Not quite. There's some, so there's some non-moving rats in this film. And, Dogs, and, too. Yeah. <laughs> If well, you hadn't noticed. Uh, well, it's debatable. It's like a flicker. You see a moment of it. There's not too much. It's hard to tell. It's like, was that a real, was that a dog? I don't know. It's hard to tell. Could be a lot of things, RJ. Um, no, that was a dog well, here. I, 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 I want to save the money shot because it's going to be the okay. uh, the accompanying image for the podcast episode. Okay. Uh, but we also we get that lovely scene of metaphor featuring a kindly mouse named Snowball, I believe. Who metaphor, is, he who says. Is, who is sent on a magical symbolic adventure on a helium balloon to the moon mm-hmm. uh, but I'll, i will let rj cover that one in more details okay um so anyway yeah so this movie it is just like a, a snapshot i guess of a period of time that like i don't know it's probably unknown to the majority of people who are watching this outside of like people who probably grew up in glasgow mm-hmm. so um we're watching it here now 2019 this movie came out in 1999 even then it was like uh, a removed experience but like you get the impression it's like man this this was a horrible way of living for these people living in like public housing, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, waiting to get moved out into these new houses being built outside of town, uh, amongst these beautiful fields. <laughs> um, and there's like a wait list and uh, priority. There's people like living like shacking up with other people's what have yous. They're, so their kids are all mixed up and people are just like drinking away, waiting for their call, their call up, yeah. I guess, to the to the main roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so yeah, the parents are kind of finding jobs here and there. 
uh, counting pennies, you know, making sure there's food on the table. Um, and yeah, the, the kids, they're kind of just left to their own devices. You, they don't go to school, seemingly. Um, they, mm-hmm. they, they uh, rough house, they torture one another. And or basically, as soon as like yeah, kind big, of big, big, tall kids come along, you're like, oh boy, where's this gonna go? The bullies, uh, the bullies, and it's just like, oh yeah, the k- kids suck. They're just the worst. I, I hate, yeah. I hate kids. Um, and yeah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just like constant, like everyone's just catty and terrible in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like you can't really necessarily understand a lot of what they're saying because they are all speaking in uh, a Scottish brogue, uh, like a very casual working class. Scottish accent that is like nonsense. Uh, it's one of those reasons I remember trying to watch Train Spotting in like high school. I could never, I never got into it because I just like had no idea what they were saying. This is one of those movies I should maybe revisit one day with subtitles. And with mm-hmm. this one, I did not have access to those. That that makes for a tough time. Well, it's, it's not available on the Criterion Channel, Jarrett. It's not. But at apparently, all. if it had been, we wouldn't have been able to turn on subtitles anyways. That's possible. It's possible. At, at this point in time. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so suffice, suffice to say, this is not an easy time of a movie. Uh, it deals sure. with some, like, uncomfortable subject matter just because it's just, like, everyone just seems like, what the fuck? There's, like, nothing good is going to come out of anyone's experience. Like, you get these moments that are, like, oh, that's a really nice touching scene of, like, um, our, our kid here uh, hanging out with, like, the 14-year-old um, who's, like, she's having probably a much worse time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then uh, it's James. Others, right? yeah, he, he, yeah, old yeah. Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy. He's like they're they're having fun. You, you had a bathtub scene because that's like the in thing right now. Oh, yeah. Whatever, <laughs> whatever movie, whatever movie we watch uh-huh. ha- or trailer has like people having baths. Like be it Curse of La Lorna or mm-hmm. um, the Joker trailer or Pet or, uh, Cemetery. We <laughs> were never really here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of them. They're all, everyone's in bathtubs. Everyone's having a soak. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. But we get that scene. That's like, a, like, I thought that was a well done scene. Mm-hmm. And like on the whole, like this movie uh, from like a visual cinematography standpoint is pretty beautiful to look at. Like it's a really mm-hmm. well shot movie. It's just that mm-hmm. it's depicting dreary things, horrible sure. things all the time. Um, and yeah, uh, we can talk about the, uh, the, the climax, the conclusion of the film, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. This movie's not for everybody. Uh, true. It's, it's a, it's a tough watch. It's nothing that probably most people are going to be like, I think I'm going to pop in rat catcher. I'm going (laughs) to, I can't imagine. You're not going to pop it in just for a casual, like afternoon watch. I I don't know if it's many people's favorite movies, uh, unless Hmm. people are looking for a very particular thing. Oh, as far as actors go, uh, there's like kind of one name, Tommy Flanagan, most yeah. fun, famous as Chibs from Sons of Anarchy, f- sporting uh-huh. his infamous Glasgow smile uh, that he got after uh, getting the treatment outside of a nightclub after DJing some years ago. Yes, Is that what happened to him? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. that that's a real thing. Glasgow smile, Chelsea well, smile. You get... I knew that that like happened to him, but yeah. I didn't know like what had happened yeah. to him. Well, if Wikipedia is to be believed. That is the, the cause of it. And hey, that's Scotland. Uh, I, I had a friend, uh, he traveled to Scotland many years ago. And I remember him talking about like chavs. Um, I'm not Chads? sure. If... Chavs. It's like, cha- oh, it's, like it's, it's, it's like Chad, but with a V. Chavs. Oh, um, and they're, they're like just 
hooligans uh, walking around mm-hmm. with uh, Burberry hats and just drinking all the time, throwing bottles mm-hmm. at passerbyers. Um, that's like in my like mind. Green Street that, that, hooligans. Yes. So that's okay. kind of like one of my views of what Scotland is like. It, that is just like no kind of a con- con- continuity, continu- continuity, continuity. Ah, I don't continuity? know. Continuity? But not continuity. It carries continuity? It, continuity. Yeah, anyway. It, what are we it, talking it, about? It carries over this, like, grimness. So I don't know uh, okay. if this movie is much of an exaggeration. I'm sure Scotland's very nice. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if I've seen too many, like, positive depictions of it. Because I even, like, wow. isn't it in uh, in your favorite movie, Doomsday, directed by Neil Marshall? Oh, like, fuck. It's like Scotland is involved. <laughs> I don't know. That movie sucks. <laughs> anyway. Um, <I> just... <laughs> oh, so yeah. The other thing I should mention too is that uh, I forgot that this was actually the last Lynn Ramsey movie I hadn't seen, feature-length film. Oh, you've uh, seen that Wolverine yeah, one, whatever Keller, I actually own that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, uh, we, I've seen like probably like, everybody we need to talk about, Kevin. And uh, also most recently, You Were Never Really Here, which you just watched this week. Uh, yeah, I've seen all sure. those movies. And there's definitely a similarity in all four of her feature films. I haven't seen any of her shorts or yeah. anything like that, but like, just yeah. like the way she shoots everything, like everything's like immaculately made, like everything's yep. beautifully shot. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't really feel like a, a strong connection with any of the movies of hers that I've watched. Probably like, I think the, uh, best one for me was probably, we need to talk about Kevin, uh, because actually, eh. cause it is. <laughs> it's totally, eh. Yeah. Okay. But the one thing that she actually does really well, uh, through all these four movies is her use of music, mm-hmm. uh, her, oh, use, yeah, her, yeah. Her, her use of pop music. And like, mm-hmm. or like there's like the one song, um, a song to, to, to her son, to her son from the mother or whatever from, uh, we need to talk about Kevin, which is like that, like that was the first time I'd ever heard that song. Uh, and I was like, man, that, that's a, a mute. That's a beautiful song. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Those are my general kind of thoughts at the moment about, uh, rat catcher RJ. Mm-hmm. What did you think of this movie? Well, Jarrett, I'm sure that you probably expect me to have some opinions of this movie as you preluded to, preluded to, alluded to, whatever words are, it doesn't matter. Um, I find this movie extremely frustrating for a variety of reasons. Uh, the very obvious one is that I am a very vocal contingent on the, I'm very vocal about how I don't really like the use of animals in movies, especially and exquisitely done here as used as metaphors for things. I understand what the symbolism is or the meaning behind the use of animals are either as a metaphor or just a very literal thing where it's like, Oh, here's a horror movie. It's like, let's kill this dog. And it's like, Oh, you probably didn't really need to do that. Or here's a metaphor here. It's like the people are rats. Do you get it? Do you get it? And it's like, all right, I don't totally love that either. Um, So I hate that stuff. And there's a lot of things in this movie that I'm not really on board with. So I'll just get it out of the way first because I have some other things to say about this movie. Uh, Yeah, there's like dead rats around. And I'm sure they didn't like actually kill the rats. But maybe they did because people hold rats in pretty low regard, which if you're listening to this and you have been, you probably know that. I'm a strong supporter of the rat uh, movement, and I think rats are super misunderstood, and I like them. 
So it's like that kind of stinks if they actually did kill some rats because rats are awesome and fuck them. There is a dead dog in this thing. It looks real. I don't know if it is. That'd suck if they did find a dead dog. Uh, But then there's the big one that you talked about. The snowball scene in which a bunch of kids throw around a little mouse, uh, which looks like like it is edited in a way where it looks like it's not actually the kids doing it. However, that little mouse was being thrown around. At least once. At least once. Or at least moved across the camera once. Uh, in, in close least, up, and then the other yeah. times it's like they're throwing around like, but on a, on a, a rat, unabated a by mouse, like a, a mouse shape, something to stand on. Like this thing was free flying through space for a while. That's okay. So the mouse is probably fine. Could have been. <laughs> uh, and then there is the scene when you get the real life mouse with a string tied to its leg, yeah. or to its tail to actually, its tail, which yep. is not something good. The kids did that too. You can get something called. Uh, it's it's not like degloving, but it's basically like rats and mice. When you hold their tails like that, they can come off because it's not their body's weight is more than their doesn't matter. Anyways, so like it's the the balloon is tied to that rat or to the mouse, and the mouse does leave the window. I'm sure there was some guy with a huge net or something on top of that building, or like even the floor above that just grabbed that mouse. But that doesn't mean I still or I like that at all. And yeah, you you talked about these metaphors. Snowball the mouse (laughs) flies to the moon and he meets all his mice friends and he's having a great time. But also the thing I didn't like about that scene, Jared, was that it really didn't make sense to me because you have this kid who like and it's even addressed in the movie. So like, I don't know if I'm just. I'm missing part of what's underneath there. But you have the kid who's like, I'm going to work for like the SPCA. And you're like, okay. And he like has all these animals. And then one time kids are like, whatever, who cares about this mouse? But okay, here you go. Have them back. The kid's like, Hey, check this out. I'm going to send this mouse to the fucking moon and then does it. And then the kid takes a total 180, and he's like a complete nut bar. Now he's like walking around, picking up dead rats and whipping them at people. I just didn't get it. I was like, what's up with this kid? Like, what is the turn here? What is this supposed to, like, represent? What part of people is this supposed to represent? Is this a UK thing? Is this a people thing? <laughs> so, like, that that was what I was most frustrated with that. I was like, I don't really understand, like, the... Because he had to step up his game. He had to out-crazy them all. But I, I feel like it came out of nowhere. And I was just like, I don't understand this. Like, I don't know where this kid's motivation came from or like his complete change of personality so uh, animal stuff aside i was just like i just plain don't get that so that's the animal stuff and i had to be upfront with that and when i started i said i found this movie extremely frustrating because other like those are big things for me those are kind of deal breakers as i'm sure you know and i find it frustrating because i think the rest of the movie is really good I actually really like this movie, which I think you might find surprising as you like to state that I don't like dirty people uh, and ho- or like poor people, which isn't totally the case. Not totally the case. Not totally the case. It's the circumstances of which it's depicted sometimes. Uh, but I was actually like I was really enjoying this movie. And then they were there would be a scene where it was like something with the mouse again or it'd be another dead rat. And I was just like, eh. I was like, I get it, like, enough, move on from this shit. So, like, those things really took me out of it. 
And I don't think it's just because I am this like bleeding heart activist about animals or anything. I just think it's like, I don't think you need any of that stuff. I think it really takes you out of these things. And, uh, so yeah, I was just like, man, that's a bummer because I actually think the rest of this movie is really good. I, I like the story that they're telling here and I like how it's like this, this thing built on this one kid and it's this guilt and it's a very like big thing in this movie but I think you can even use that into smaller things because nobody feels guilt and shame better than like a little kid or like a young teenager that's like made for those people. And it's how we learn and it's how we, it's how like people learn how to behave in a society or like with other people. It's like, cause sometimes you do something and then like you don't get the response you think is going to happen. And then you feel really fucking bad. You're like, Oh shit, I did a bad thing. So I think this movie is like a good a good statement on that stuff. And like, and I know that it's about like way more than that. It's about mm-hmm. the scene and the place at the time and, uh, all these other things about people in general. But I actually like that aspect of it because it's like, I think this is a really good study on like just guilt and shame. And I think that the, the kid's story is really interesting. Like, like how he interacts with all the other people and how, how like it kind of like, it just rains shit on this kid. The whole, whole movie where he's like i accidentally killed my best friend and then now it's like i think i maybe just fucked up my family because i let in some social workers when i wasn't supposed to and then it's like now i did this and now i did that and it's like all these bad things but then it's also like kind of hopeful where you see him and he's like looking at what he wishes his life was and you're like oh that's kind of sad but also like a nice thing to have in here. And it really reminded me like the, the window out into the field. Yeah. I was like, that's a perfect description of this movie where it's like out in the field is the movie that I'm enjoying, but inside the shit house is all the animal stuff. That's like to- piled on top of it. And I was like, why can't I just have that? Like that thing out in the distance. I was like, what a perfect like summer, like way to represent all these things. I feel about these movies. So I actually, I kind of was really into this, some of like those parts, but a lot of the other things, it's like I said, they're kind of deal breakers for me where I was just like, fuck, I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't like that they use that stuff. And I feel like it's kind of shitty that they do. And I don't totally get it. But uh, I think it like, especially not even just for like a first movie, I think in general, I think this is a really well made movie. I think Lynn Ramsey is a, a really good like, quiet storyteller and i say that all the time and i don't mean it in the same way sometimes like in this one i think she has a really nice way of like um letting the story kind of unfold like that whole first 10 minutes when the kid dies and you find you see the lady who like is watching it Mm -hmm. from like the window i think that stuff is great because james's mom yeah his mom and like she sees it and stuff and like like you said like with the music and the background and stuff and there there's not really a lot of dialogue like it's literally quiet well well, you get that you get that great uh kind of capturing of that moment of like seeing something happen something horrible happening to like oh is that my kid and then you're like oh thank god it wasn't mine and that's like that's like i don't even give a shit what happened to that kid i'll feel bad about that later but uh right now i'm like whoo yeah, exactly. And it's like for me too, it's not even that it's like the absence of dialogue. It's that there's the way she, it's like paced and kind of uh, put together. It's just it, it really flows well. So I, I really like that aspect of her movies. 
Um, and there's like individual like little character moments that I think are good. I think the mom whose son dies, I think everything with her, she's not in this movie a lot. No, because they, they get rehoused. Yeah. So I thought the stuff with her was great. And then uh, everything with the main kid, James, I, I actually liked his story quite a bit. Like all the the inner turmoil he was going through with like what he was, what he did, what he was feeling and then the hopes for other stuff. So it's like I said, I find this movie really frustrating because I actually really like the story. I just don't care for all that other stuff. That's like bumped on top of it because I, I feel like it's excessive and unnecessary, even when it is in the, the metaphorical symbolisms section. So I'm I'm pretty split on this movie. Uh, I like this story quite a bit. I just I think all that other stuff kind of stinks. Yeah. So that's uh, that's my take yeah. on Ratcatcher. Well, so how, how do you uh, the one the movie that like immediately comes to mind in like doing a compare contrast is George Washington because it's like very much yeah, in the same I, ballpark. I it, it came out within like a year of one another, mm-hmm. um, and both are but they've tackled this idea of like I mean I don't even honestly when I was watching this I never really got into the whole thing about James feeling guilty. Yeah. Uh, like at yeah, all, honestly at all. Like, like, I, I, I think. think there's like so much other stuff going on that like, I mean, yeah. it's more just about like the depiction of the living conditions of that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of builds to like the, the end of the movie, which is like, Oh, so, you know, the, the military comes and cleans up the garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, James is like, Oh, this is going to be my <laughs> life. Huh? And he decides to go take that uh, that plunge into the canal, and then sure and then we cut away to like, oh look, they're coming across the the hill into the wheat field. Oh, they've <laughs> made it. And you're like, wait a minute, when do you just drive? Why are they walking this awkward way? Oh, right, because he's dead. Because he's dead. Because he's dead. And he uh, did it. Yeah, he did it. He, he yep. he's a hero. No, now. I thought of George Washington too, but I think this is a way more competent movie than like George Washington was. Cause I think yeah. you and me were on the same page for that one where we were both kind of like, meh, meh. Did you get those sounds that I just made? Yeah. I, I picked them up. Meh. Don't you worry. Meh. So, you know, what did you think of Ratcatcher? Um, evocative, evocative, it's like a good movie. Like I think, like yeah, um, better than George Washington. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I, I, I didn't like George Washington much, um, but yeah. No. Like it's good, but like again, it's like I don't know. I I like in comparing this to like Gummo, like I I love Gummo. I think I think Gummo is amazing. Like it's. Um, kind of because so weird <laughs> like it's got like it's got like this like yeah. ridiculous quality to it like albino rhino <laughs> mm-hmm. uh you have like just it's just like those some of those scenes in that film just like i will never forget um rat catcher i don't think i'll probably think much about like ever again honestly i think i would uh but like i would honestly like to rewatch this but i just don't like the animal stuff i thought it was dumb I was like, eh, I don't like that. I don't oh, well, that, that. That, that's part of the thing, though, too, is like when I'm watching these movies now, it's kind of like, what's RJ going to think about this? Like, that's that's <laughs> that, that, that kind of like ruins movies for me, well, honestly. So. Uh, good, though. Remember, <laughs> no, someone it, asked it's that it's one on, time, well, it's like, yeah, does it, it ruin movies yeah. for you? And it's like, I hope it does. Well, because it ruined it for me. But then it's just kind of like, oh, why even bother doing it? I guess it's because you like, want to know what my opinion is, Jared. No, but it's more like, oh, what's the conversation going to be like? <laughs> well, I, I feel like so. 
I realize that's the case, but did I also kind of give a counter to that in describing Ratcatcher? Because I, I mean, I, I'll talk about the animal stuff, but I feel like yeah. I tried to talk about what I thought of the movie in general outside of that. It's, it's no walkabout. No, fucking walkabout sucks. The movie's dumb. Hey, where do you put Ratcatcher in terms of the Bob Costas? Uh, Bob Costas? What? What am I talking about? We're, we're not Bob, Bob Costas. Sports <laughs> journalist? <laughs> oh, man. What are we talking about? No, I didn't mean Bob Costas. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. RJ, you know, RJ's broken. You, you, he broke. Bob Hoskins. What, what about Bob Hoskins? Where do you fight, put Ratcatcher in terms of those two British endeavors? Oh, like Mona Lisa? Yeah. And I don't know. Um, just trying to. I'm just trying to ring up, rein it back here a little bit, Jared. Bring things back onto uh, where. I'd say. I mean, I, I'd say it's. I, I think it's. I'd say it's uh, better than those two. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Good. The yeah. Good. The, good. Good old Neil Jordan over there. Um, what about Neil? Oh, not Neil Marshall, right? Yeah. Well, he directed Mona Lisa anyway. Anyway, oh. um, yeah. So you liked Ratcatcher? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, 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 I think it's good. Like, I think it's like a good yeah. movie, but like, it doesn't, it doesn't push itself over. Like, it doesn't go into like that uh, neck, that echelon of like kind of like grimy coming of age stories. So maybe I like it a little bit more because I don't like those extreme grimy things like you do. This is this is pretty like pretty extremely it, it is, grimy. It is, but like I still, I don't know. I don't think a lot matches up uh, with the gummos of the world. Well, what can? What can? Exactly. But I, since that's well, such or, a uh, welcome to the dollhouse, which you haven't I, seen. I haven't been there yet. Oh, you got to uh, swing by. Swing what's by, John uh, Waters' representation on? Uh, the Criterion Channel. Oh, we can't look up directors, right? No, but uh, that's not John Waters. Or what's his name? Todd Salons. Oh, yeah. It, is, uh, well, it would just be Dark Horse at this moment because that's in the Criterion Collection if it's on there. Anyways, RJ. Yeah. Who who hates George, uh, George Washington? Who hates Ratcatcher? Yeah, who does hate Ratcatcher? That was interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Half a star, Chris Browning. Chris, Chris Brown, the rapper? Uh, Browning. Oh. Terminally overrated art film by numbers. Name one thing. One thing that this film does that's new or different or is not derivative. It's nicely derivative, yes, but it's also achingly boring as if there's a big stew of British art film cliches that's been overcooked and forced down our throats. I have no idea how this is a good re- reputation at all. <laughs> Rubbish. Oh, rubbish, eh? Is that what Chris Browning thinks? That's what Chris Browning thinks. Oh, really, Jared? Is that what he thinks? Is that what he thinks, Jared? Are you buying time? No, I'm on his page. Uh, I found some interesting things here. He likes a lot of, like, I don't know, the obvious things you'd think he likes. Uh, Lots of David uh, Lynch stuff, some psychos, things like that. But then I find some striking things in his five-star movies. Gremlins. Uh, as you mentioned on that one list in the preamble, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a five-star affair. <laughs> uh, lots of Doctor Who specials as five-star mm. affairs, which is weird. Uh, a dark song, which we both like. Yeah. Uh, th- but then Midnight Special, 39 Steps, those aren't like five-star movies. But then when we get to the half-star movies, things get even wilder. Half-star for Mother, half a star Jarrett for a movie 
called Martyrs, half a star for The Fountain, mm. half a star for your favorite movie, Beyond the Dumpness. <laughs> uh, there's some Doctor Who's in here, too. Wow, what a interesting, diverse thing of movies. Wow. Uh, I don't know. And there, there's, like, lots of obscure horror stuff, but it seems like he's all over the map. Half a star for Jingle All the Way? That's weird. <laughs> One and a half star, Dave oh. Vonderhaar on a rewatch. Oh, Vonderhaar. I watched this. I watched this a several months ago, and just completely forgot to log it. So little an impact did it have on me. I've loved Ramsey's other films, but this one never rose above the indie misery porn cliche you'd expect from that terrible mm-hmm. cover art. Underage nudity, check. Death of a child, ironic use of pop songs, check. Absurd pop songs. Yeah, Nick Drake in there. I mean, oh, right. call that pop. There's some songs like Whatever. that. Uh, absurd escapist fantasy non sequitur scene. Check. People running through fields of grain at the magic hour. Check. <laughs> and on and on and on and on. I've I'm stunned. This was made by the same woman who would go on to make Mulvern Kalar. <laughs> I've never seen that, but that sounds ridiculous. Uh, uh, I, you know what? So far, though. <laughs> I don't disagree with the criticisms. I, I I disagree with the star ratings. I don't think it's this bad as people would yeah. say. But I can definitely see like these things being pretty irksome because it does fall into those. It's like it's kind of like on that line for me. And I think because I'm like if ten, that's fine. T- ten, fifteen years ago, I'd be like far more like, oh my god, this is a brilliant thing. And I think now I'm kind of like, yeah, I, this is like a this, this is like definitely a mode like people make these decisions because they want to fit into this type of filmmaking uh, and it's mm-hmm. not going to be for everybody it's kind of like critic movies like you're basically making movies that are going to be viewed that particular yeah. way whatever uh, uh, keep going where do you go you, you know you go you tell me okay, about Dave. so another movie that was on that list you mentioned the preamble one of their favorite movies is speed racer probably totally unironically right so also five-star movies are like green room and uh, bellflower which is a movie we, we we both really like. Yeah. But then there's like Jurassic World five stars split. What? Five stars. Yeah. <sighs> Jurassic World and split both five stars. But again, in the crazy thing. So I didn't mention this before, but in the half stars, this person and the last person both gave Triangle a half a star, which mm. I don't think is totally fair. No. But this person has Justice League half star, which is probably fair. Yeah. But it's a wonderful life. Half a star. Son of Saul, half a star. Okay. Garrett? Okay. Dog half a star. Okay. This that's that's quite enough. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. You see what I mean, Jarrett? You see what I mean? Yeah, they're they're they they're just making a point. Yeah, making a point okay. about making a point. Uh, I just went to their 100 favorite movies, and apparently, Bellflower is number one. Ooh, that's which weird. I mean, that's a good movie, but I don't know about number one. Yeah, I don't know about that. Oh. Okay, last one here. This is a lengthy one. Uh, okay. Two stars, Justin Willis. Okay. I think it's two stars. Yeah. Uh, you, you okay. I really enjoyed Lynn Ramsey's directing, but excluding an incredibly precise camera and shot composition, there isn't much fun to be had in Ratcatcher. Oh. Upon, upon further reading of the film, I realized I should have studied up on the political climate of Scotland in the 1970s mm. because I was almost mm. entirely lost as to what the film was talking about. It didn't help that the accents were incredibly thick, and despite my best efforts, I couldn't access subtitles. 
Um, that also uh, yeah. probably that also probably didn't help with my experience, not really understanding a ton of what was being said um, because mumble. Me, then. me also. So I mean that's that doesn't help. Um, maybe I need to give the film a second chance, both knowing what to expect and with subtitles in check. But as it stands, Ratcatcher was a hard to follow coming of age story set and it economically destroyed Glasgow. The plot flows much in the same way as something attempting to emulate 400 blows. There's another coming of age tale. Uh, the audience observes a young boy and his various adventures throughout his little town, like Paris. Uh, uh, however, where 400 Blows is able to take these seemingly random unconnected events and string together development, I personally never saw that connection with Ratcatcher. The young boy has several rather traumatic events occur throughout the film, but they aren't brought back up again, and the boy's acting almost indicates they phase through him emotionally. The final scene left more bewildered, felt, felt left me more bewildered, like Ramsey was trying to mm. say something evocative, yet unearned. None of the cast particularly stood out, nor was one moment more impactful than the next. Only one scene, the bus sequence, will linger in my mind. That's the one with uh, Nick Drake. Uh, mm-hmm. But only because of the shots of grain, although with a 0.01% of the budgeted beauty, used the fields of wheat to symbolize freedom, much like Malik did in To the Wonder. <laughs> Overall, I think Ratcatcher is indicative of an up-and-coming director at her oh, start, showing plenty of style, but lacking in is? a solid narrative or purpose. Oh, is that what it is, Jared? And then they concluded, caught up on reviews, bring on Sundance. Oh. Yippee. Things that are dated that are In super relevant. 2017. <laughs> when you read them on podcasts two years later that they have no idea that they're writing the review for. Yeah. So five-star movies, Jared, are like good things like, I don't know, Whiplash, Shawshank, Sands of the Lambs, Truman Show. But there's also like Boyhood um 400 blows 400 blows am i right uh the big sick eighth grade no thank you but so then we get to these one star reviews and uh i i found some more interesting weird things so one star reviews include things like get out which is weird that doesn't seem like a one star movie but once upon a time in america which i haven't seen but that's been coming up a lot in the negatives of people who hate these movies. Paradise Lost 2, one star. Bizarre. Then there's movies like Stalker, one star. But here's where I really get torn away. Jingle All the Way, again, is getting fucking beat up by these people. I don't get that. But there's things like Clock Stoppers. That's a cool movie. Titan AE, The NeverEnding Story. These aren't like one-star movies. You're not being fair. Wild Wild West isn't a one-star movie. That's a great movie. Don't you think? No. Jared? Wild Wild West isn't a one-star movie, though. It probably is. What about Cats and Dogs? Yep. Are you serious? Probably. I'm done with this podcast. Woo-hoo. But I think my other points stand. Okay. I have good opinions. Yep. Well, that's listen ra- to them. <laughs> that's Ratcatcher. Yeah, that is. I uh, it's like I said. I w- I was surprised that I actually liked it the way that I did, but I also was like, I don't like any of this other stuff. So, so there you go. There you go. Yep. After the break. Yep. We're walking into that canal. For good this time. And then we'll walk over that beautiful wheat field. Elysian Fields 
to our new sh- new house that will be really shitty really soon. But we don't talk about that part. It depends on how you treat it, dude. But we just got to. But we're actually dead. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Finally. I wish I was in Glasgow with some good old friends of mine, some good old rough companions, some good old smooth red wine. We would talk about the old days and the old town's sad decline and drink the boys on the road. That good old place I miss so much Now sees some better days Yet still we talk about it As we go our separate ways Glasgow gave me more than it ever RJ, how many huh? rats died in the making of this podcast? During the podcast? Yeah. How many like did... this one well, or well, throughout our extent? Well, this one, this episode. In the world, probably a few. Well, like no, like for us to make this, how many rats do we have to kill? I, I've lost track. Well, if you're talking about my numbers, it's a different ball game. But that's not it. That's not because I wanted to, though. Mm. You know how sometimes you gotta do stuff you don't want to, like this podcast. Yep. You just have to do it now because it's it's there. Mm-hmm. Gotta stomp them. Oh. Stomp the episodes down. I'm going to put you in a garbage bag and hit you with a stick. See how I like it? Yeah. You can email us at criteriancreeps at gmail.com. Um, we've got a Facebook page. Good. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan's Barnloaf. We're on YouTube. We've got a Patreon. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that goodness. Mm-hmm. Next week, RJ... Maybe some lighter fare. Maybe. It's a short turnaround by another British filmmaker type, Ronald Neem. You remember him? Remember Horses, I... remember horses Mouth? Uh, uh... Well, we get to watch a, a Latter-day offering from him. Spine 163, Hopscotch from 1980, <sighs> starring Walter Matthau. Okay, well, I'm, I'm cool with that. But that Horses Mouth... Not, Talk about horse's ass. Not nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's on Criterion Channel, folks, so you can follow along. Is it, though? It is. Is it, though? Will it play? Maybe it'll crash because we're all watching it. Ooh, all, I hope so. All five of us. Do you think, though? Mm-hmm. There's more than... No, there's probably not more than five people listening. <laughs> Well, good night. Huh? It's time to go on with our lives. For I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to sit here until next week. Go enjoy Hellboy. Who, me? Yeah. I don't plan to, but I could. Yeah. What are you going to do? Hey, what are you going to do for the next week? Live my life. Doubtful. Good night. Mm. Mm.